Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Modern Day Debate. Tonight, we're going to be debating the globe. Is it a flat? Is it a sphere? So we're going to uh, hand it over uh, to Alan for his opening statement there. Oh, I think I might have gotten that backwards. But yeah, correct me, Alan. You got the floor. Nailed it, brother. All right, cool. So we're going to go in with the prerequisites for the globe. So the biggest one being motion. So that's something that I'm going to cover. Let me set up the screen share. There's the button. Screen share. Yeah, I'm ready when you are. Yeah, looking for the particular sharing window. Why does it always disappear when you need it to be there, right? Dude, <laughs> dude, when I need it, it's like, no, I don't know where, what to do. Oh, well. So let's see, screen one. All right, well, no worries. I'll just share monitor two. Go for it. This is an opportunity for everybody work. to smack the like button because we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. All right. All right. One second. So, you let me know what you, do you, when yeah, ready. what do you see on your end? Kinetics and dynamics is what we're seeing on our screen. All right. Is that right? Well, it should be, but I just need to know which window it is. Kinematics and dynamics. If you push F11, it'll full screen you. Yeah. F11. So, do you, Toby? Do you see the the notes panel, or is this the actual presentation? Actual window? presentation. Got it. Okay, we're good. It's just on the opposite window for some reason. Okay, okay one second. All right, I wasn't sure. Sorry, yep, sorry about that. Delay. No, it's all good. It's yeah, all it, good. Just, it just looks messed up on my end. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> kinematics means measurement. Kinematics means measurement. Kinematics means measurement. Kinematics, in kinematics, relative motion is true. Some kinematic variables that you might see are T, X, V, A, et cetera. So distance, uh, velocity, acceleration, right? Those are all kinematic variables. Now, this is going to be important because we're going to be covering motion in the sky. So when things move in a circle, the kinematic relationship becomes extremely important because you can use these variables to describe the motion. For example, the acceleration of the stars must be equal to their velocity squared over the radius. Right. So that's kinematics. Now, dynamics gets into the prediction of future motion based on real forces in that system. So the distinction there is kinematics is motion, irregardless of the cause of motion. It's just measurements of the motion. Right. And then dynamics is predictions of future motion based off of real forces. OK, so. In 1810 to 1818, a guy named Arago Francois did some experiments with a telescope uh, to prove uh, if the earth was in motion or not. So what he did was assuming a fixed ether and that light propagates through this, this stationary medium, the earth would be moving through it and you would have to adjust the focal length of your telescope to compensate for when viewing stars, when you're uh, uh, receding or advancing towards them in six month intervals. What Arago found is that he had, is that he didn't have to make any telescope corrections. So this is a huge failure for the for the dynamics of heliocentrism as if the motion if the motion that is required existed it would be manifest in these measurements. So here's here's a summary of the second experiment that Arago did involving a telescope. So in this one he half covered the telescope with a prism. What he was looking for there was the ab to see if the aberration angle would change when the starlight was passing through just regular air and when it was passing through the prism, what he found was that the, is that the aberration angle is independent. It doesn't matter. It requires no further correction, meaning that the starlight is already coming in at an angle. So to further settle the matter, in 1872, George Airy came in with his telescope and to, uh, to finally put this, uh, 
put this matter to rest, right? Who's who's moving? Is it us or the sky? So the situation here is the telescope requires a slight angle to keep starlight uh, coming in at the center. If you were to fill the telescope with water, that would slow this that would slow the speed of light down, and you would have to make additional corrections to keep the uh, starlight in the center. If the Earth's velocity is what was causing the deflection in the first place, right? So what what Airy found was that he didn't have to make any further corrections. So that's a huge problem for heliocentrism. So here's the measurements that he put out. So this is in regards to Kinker-Fuse's hypothesis of an, of an ether. So this is, again, a stationary ether so that any corrections that are made to the telescope can be attributed to Earth's velocity, right? One second. <clears throat> so that's the, the, the important part to note here. This is not an... It, 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 Airy didn't fail to detect the ether, right? This is a velocity measurement where the correction angle would be entirely attributed to the velocity to produce it, right? So they they had a prediction that they were going to have to correct their telescope by 30 arc seconds when it was filled with water, and they only had to adjust it by eight arc seconds. So that's a, it's another colossal failure for the dynamic predictions of motion for heliocentrism. Now we get into Kepler's laws and Newton's laws, right? So Kepler's laws and Newton's laws, they say are covariant, meaning you can derive one from the other, but it's actually just kind of a trick because the mass in these, in these equations cancels out and it's all about the constants. So the big G, the big M, and the T for the puricity of the event will output a, a cubed proportional radius for the, for the orbit. Or for the semi or for the semi-major axis for the for the orbit. And it's all cube proportional. It has nothing to do with the mass of any of these planets. So what they do is they'll is they'll um they'll take a they'll take a um they do everything in reference to the sun. So it'll be like the sun versus Mercury's orbit, or then the sun versus Venus's orbit, the sun versus Earth, et cetera, right? All they're doing is just adjusting the periodicity of the event and the constants remain the same. And the output gives them proportional uh, orbital diameters, right? All right. So that's covering the, the sky optics and kinematics and dynamics. So in addition to that, if Earth's orbital velocity truly existed and Newtonian dynamics were correct, you could measure Earth's orbital velocity with interferometry with first order measurements and no such measurements exist. So 1887, Mickelson-Morley attempted to make measurements of Earth's orbital velocity. They got eight to seven or they got four to six kilometers a second. Then Mickelson, Gale, Pearson, where they were saying they were going to measure the sidereal rotation this time instead of the uh, orbital velocity because they gave up on that by this time, right? So they, they got fluctuations matching sidereal time measured in diurnal time. And this was another big failure for relativity because the whole purpose of this was they were supposed to be calculating it based off of curved space time and they had to swap it in for... Um, flat space time because they couldn't get enough inertial mass to uh, to curve space time proportionally, right? So this was a failure for relativity to show um, that relativistic mass and inertial mass are equivalent because the, the way that they had to do the calculations, it was a complete failure for them, right? And then Mickelson-Morley was continued by a guy named Dayton Miller who found a pericity in the, in the measurements and when he did his final work, he started doing his measurements at altitude. So he did his last measurements at 8,200 feet above sea level and found that the drift extent goes to eight to um, six to eight kilometers a second. 
And this was further corroborated in 2002 and 2004 by Yuri Galev, who showed using two radio links that there is a vertical velocity gradient that gets stronger as you get closer to the sky. So what he measured, he corroborated Miller's work. And how that works is that basically on the surface of the earth, the speed goes, you know, is greatly diminished. Then as you increase in altitude, you start getting a faster translational speed measurement and it increases with the square root of the height above ground level. So we have the linear measurements here starting from Mickelson-Morley, 1887, and um, more of Miller's work and then Gallov's work. So we have a linear gradient that's going up and that's my time. I'm going to kick it over to Toby now. Actually, I had another minute left on here because I started your time when you got the screen ready, but uh, fair ball over to you, uh, Toby. <laughs> oh, you're on mute. Cool, so let me go ahead and share my screen here. All right, ready when you are. That screen. Actually, we're still screen sharing, so you're really ready to go. <laughs> cool, so you guys see my screen there then? Yeah, we sure can. Excellent. So uh, we have three globe claims. Essentially, we have the claim of motion, we have the claim of curvature, and we have a claim of geophysics. So before we get into all of it, just so in case you didn't know, if you believe in the globe, you also have uh, absorbed all of these paradoxes, the particle wave duality, the twin paradox, the Ehrenfest paradox, the Einstein-Podolsky-Rosen paradox, Schrodinger's cat, Heisenberg uncertainty, Newman-Seliger uh, Newman gravitational paradox, the information paradox, Newton's shell theorem violation, also a violation of maximum momentum and minimum energy, uh, energy rotation, and also a violation of curved visual space and many more. Uh, so let's start with motion here. So we feel no motion. Uh, all flight on Earth utilizes a stationary baseline that includes planes, missiles, helicopters. Here we go. We have a flight simulation showing that they use a stationary Earth. Here we have dynamic positioning equations, and they show a non-rotating Earth. Here we have helicopter equations of motion, and they use a flat non-rotating Earth. So a question, if pilots have to treat the Earth as stationary and we can't perceive any motion, is there any way we can measure it? Answer, yes, using an induction rate, the induction rate of light, which Alan just covered, we can measure absolute velocity as understood since at least 1818. Uh, in 1865, J.C. Maxwell worked upon Faraday's experiments, and he used known values of the electric constant and the magnetic constant in his electromagnetic wave equations, and he found that light behaves as an electromagnetic wave, which requires a substantive medium, a.k.a. the ether. And if you look throughout J.C. Maxwell's works, he in, in, repeatedly invoked the ether. It was a very well understood premise of all of science up until this point. And that's why in 1887, when they went to go do the Michelson-Morley experiment, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew their math. They knew the induction rate of light. And so that's they used interferometry to uh, measure the motion of the Earth. The independent variable would have been the orthogonal vector direction of the uh, interferometer. And as they turned it, they would have got a difference in the fringe shift. And the result was that the Earth wasn't in motion. There was no orbital motion detected. There was a tiny bit of a fringe and that tiny bit of fringe can actually be explained quite easily with a stationary Earth and an ether wind. So if we if we measure something to see if it's moving and we get no measurement, it's not moving, right? Well, no, not really, because Albert Einstein in 1905 on the electrodynamics of moving bodies, he says there's no ether, there's a one-way speed of light, and it's always constant. You're not allowed to invoke absolute space or absolute time. Everything's relative. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, he invokes imaginary physical experiments. That's how he derives special relativity. He talks about an unsuccessful attempt to discover any motion of the earth relatively to the light medium. And then he invokes imaginary physical experience. That's how he, that's how he derives special relativity. So then you got 0.9 C plus 0.9 C equals less than C, AKA two plus two does not equal four. Cause that's what Einstein told us with his crazy math. 
And then in 1913, Georgia Sanyak came along and he said, hey, look, I'm going to rotate the interferometer. What do you know? As I rotate it, the proportional velocity of that rotation actually gets measured in the fringe shift. So it's actually not, the speed of light's not constant. It's, re it's measured proportionally to its velocity. And then in Dayton, in 1920s, Dayton Miller came and did a bunch more measurements. He actually started measuring with, interfer with the interferometer over a period of time. And he found a preferred direction, uh, preferred direction of the speed of light. The ether flow matches the motion of the sky and the measurement is greater at altitude. And that's related to the motion of the solar system. <laughs> Uh, but then in 1925, they came along and they tried to measure the exact same thing, even though they already measured it once. And they said they got a null result. This time they measured it again. They said, oh, that's the rotation of the Earth. So then in 2001, uh, Yuri Galev came along. And now all this time, they've never once acknowledged what Dayton Miller said, the fact that at higher altitudes, you actually get a greater ether wind. Uh, and But Galev came along, analyzed his work, found the same thing. Then Galev also did his own experimentation, which corroborated the exact same thing, which Alan uh, already covered. And then in 2004, uh, Ru Yang Wang came along. Remember how they said you can only measure that velocity in a rotational vector? Well, guess what? Ru Yang Wang explicitly showed that it's actually, uh, you can be shown with a a linear vector. So if you can't, if you can measure rotational motion of a linear vector, that means in 1887 they would have measured the motion of the Earth, but they didn't. So, uh, and he says here, you know, this would suggest a nanoscale sensitivity. Uh, he comes, he he patented a speedometer based off this exact thing, and and he worked with the Naval Research Laboratory to do these experiments. You know, they gave him money, they they or they loaned him its fiber optic gyros that he used to do the experiments. So, uh, make of that what you will. But so let's move on now to the uh, to the pendulum. In 1954, Maurice Elias observed anomalous behavior of his pendulum, and the, the effect was named the Elias effect. He observed it again in 1956, 1959. He wrote uh, the anisotropy of space necessary revision of certain postulates in 1997, and then this is showing. The eclipse of 1959, you can see in the middle here where you can actually find the, see the, to the, the full totality of the eclipse and you see that there's a, an a anomalous behavior of the pendulum. Uh, and then he says, this is uh, totally inexplicable in the context of the current theory. And here it is again, uh, 1955, another uh, Elias effect. Uh, you know, and it's so interestingly, not only did he did he measure the fact that the, the totally anomalous behavior during eclipses, but also the pendulum precession uh, rate is relative to the sidereal motion of the sun and moon, aka their annual sky movement. So as the sun and the moon are moving back and forth on their analemma, that's actually affecting the way that the the periodicity of not only interferometry as uh, as Dayton Miller showed, but also the precession of the pendulum. Uh, so that's a completely inexplicable within the framework of currently accepted theories. This is translated for by an AI from French. That's why it looks kind of weird. Uh, but here we have, uh, it is therefore appropriate to consider that the current laws of gravitation are in no way perfectly verified, definitive, and immutable laws on which basis the assertion that my experimental results are contrary to all the experiments or experience acquired in the field of astronomy. These laws, like all experimental laws, are only verified within a certain approximation. Here's showing what this would look like, right? So we have the sun going in the circle here. The moon would also be going in like a similar path. And this is, this is what causes the... Uh, the motion and the shape of uh, cyclones and uh, and hurricanes. It's also what potentially would be causing the precession of the pendulum. Uh, and in 1970, uh, Saxon and Allen in, in, in Harvard, they measured the exact same thing. Here's showing, uh, you know, this is a normal day. Here's a day with the Elias effect or with the solar eclipse. Wow. Uh, you know, and they say results of this order of magnitude have been consistently observed at Harvard for a period of 17 years. And then here in 2006, another, just another confirmation of it in Bucharest. Uh, but, you know, oh, here 2010, they say they found no evidence of the Elias effect. Well, what do you know? They have an electromagnetic break which keeps the electric trajectory in acceptable values. But, you know, so they say the maximum deflection of the precession of the Pukal pendulum following these measurements is very far from those obtained by Maurice Elias. But guess what? They never measure the break. So they're breaking out the Elias effect and then they're not talking about it in the paper and then they're making a conclusion. 
school. It's utterly meaningless. And then here's another paper where they just try to explain it. They're trying to explain the Elias effect, but you know, they, they come up with this crazy theory of dark flow acceleration. There's like this, you know, they've got dark matter, dark energy. Now you got dark flow too, because you got to explain the precession of the pendulum. But so you know, why are flat earth? They're so obsessed with relativity. Why are flat earth? They're so obsessed with the pendulum. Well, it's because all these things are intertwined with each other. And when you really, really, really start digging at all this stuff, you find that it's all wrapped around one line. You pull at that. And so that's why the ether one's really important to us. Because if you look at this graph here, you see the ether one's in the middle and gravity's in the middle. So let's get into curvature. So 2018, the FE core did laser tests. They were taken in Hungary and the Netherlands. Uh, there's the, the receiver where they were actually receiving the laser here showing the first laser test. Uh, this one, uh, so yeah, geoid undulation is the term used to describe the distance of the geoid or uh, above or below the mathematical uh, reference ellipsoid. Geoid undulation was at the same level in both positions. And uh, the pointer was held 4.92 feet above the lake surface. And uh, it was it went across the lake 7.46 miles and they were able to see it. And this is showing it would have had a hidden area of 14.96 feet, but they were able to see it. Uh, and here's showing uh, this from the side view of measurement one, showing the horizontal laser. And then we have measurement seven from the one same minute. series of measurements. What's that? One minute left. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, you get the point. They met, They tried to measure. They couldn't see. It. But we we don't see boats go over the horizon. Where does the sun go at night? Well, it turns out we uh, have optics and we have curved visual space, and we perceive from a single point in three D space. Angular resolution imposes a nonlinear drop off in our ability to resolve items as they move away from us. Your ability to ascertain objects uh, dissipates into an unresolvable angle in a nonlinear fashion. Uh, and sixth grade art class actually taught us this. If you really think back to it, uh, train tracks do not actually converge. This is a result of perceiving from a single point in three D space. Uh, and so there's like, here's a paper about it. And we said, you know, at the bottom, we will show binocular visual space may indeed be explained by a hyperbolic model. Here's showing kind of how that would look. Here's again, showing how that would kind of look. Uh, and so, you know, as you perceive outwards from here, you're, as you can see, you are taking in more area. So as there's more area to take in, your resolution necessarily has to shrink because there's more coming in. And so uh, here's a direct measurement of curved visual space. The curvature changes from elliptic and near space to hyperbolic and far space. At very large distance, the plane become per parabolic. Here's an illustration showing that. That's time. Uh, we What's that? That's, That's time. time. Dang. Okay. I didn't get to get into geophysics. I wanted to talk about Pangea. I want to talk about magnetogeology. I want to talk about the geodynamo model and the fact that the rotational axis doesn't even align with the rotational axis of the convection currents. I wanted to talk about P and S wave shadow zones and how they, uh, P and the S waves work on a flat earth. But yeah, you know, there's a lot to go through there. All right. Yeah. It seemed like you had uh, quite, uh, quite a lot of uh, in your presentation there. So we'll ask you to stop the screen share there. Don't mind. Uh, we can always do more later. Uh, so what we'll do is a uh, big thank you to Alan and Toby for your introductory statements. We are going to kick it over to the other side. Um, Anthony, uh, I'm going to give you the floor. And we're doing eight-minute introductions. And just to remind everybody, we do Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, and Super Chats are read with priority. So get your Super Chats in, and uh, those will be uh, promptly read. Uh, so, Tony, uh, the floor is all yours. Okay. I'm going to start with one basic thing. The shape of an object is independent of its motion. The geometry of an object doesn't change if it spins, doesn't change if it moves backwards and forwards. So all of this talk about motion, completely irrelevant. We should consider the evidence that relates to the shape of the Earth. Um, let me share my screen. Ready when you are. Okay, so we have two potential models. We should be comparing both. I noticed that what my interlocutors failed to do was demonstrate what should happen on a flat Earth. They only considered what they imagined should happen on a spheroidal Earth and then get it hopelessly wrong. 
So we should compare the expectations for these two. And if one fails to meet predictions, it should be discarded. You don't win a weightlifting competition by saying, yes, we can do that. You have to actually lift weights. Let's look at a real world example. I have two points on Earth's surface. I want to know what the distance between them is and what bearing I should follow to get from point one to the second. This should be on the flat Earth, a very easy geometric calculation. We know the angle between the two rays. We know the distance of both points from the North Pole. It turns into a standard triangle. We can use a plane triangle formula. If, that, if you believe that, this is your flat Earth map. Um, it turns out to be the same on a spheroidal Earth, except that we're using a spheroidal triangle for, um, formulation. We get this formula. We can now test them, and we have been testing them for more than 300 years. Here, for instance, is the lifeboat sailed by um, Captain Bly, um, more than 7,000 kilometres. He had to calculate exactly how much food and water he had um, in order to get from one point to the other. He did, it, um, he did it accurately, and we know he used spherical trigonometry to do that. A similar case was observed in the early 20th century in the Shackleton expedition, which got trapped in the ice near Antarctica, and in the end they had to sail, Shackleton and four other people had to sail a lifeboat 1,500 kilometres in order to get um, to safety. We have thousands of daily experiments. Each ship that sails on the ocean calculates its distance using the spherical distance formula, calculates its heading using spherical trigonometry. Um, here is a 17th century sailing manual that um, considers the problem of how to navigate from the mouth of the Amazon to uh, the island of Lundy, and it does it demonstrably using spherical trigonometry. Flat Earth cannot solve these problems. There is no Flat Earth technique for doing this. So Flat Earth loses. It, we have compared the two models. We have compared their ability to do this. The same goes for aircraft um, trajectories. Here, for instance, we can calculate the distance for these five flights. What I've done is I've averaged the outgoing and the ingoing um, flight times in that fourth column. I've multiplied that by their average flight speed to, give them, to get the maximum distance. I have allowed nothing for negotiating air traffic or getting to cruising altitude. Um, that's that fifth column. The next column is the spherical distance estimate. You will notice that the spherical distance estimate is always smaller, but comparable to the um, that maximum distance. The flat Earth estimate is in the final column and is an error by up to 106%. Um, I've highlighted them in red. Uh, we can do the same with submarine cables. We have submarine cables connecting different points on Earth's surface. We can calculate their lengths. We can um, calculate the compare them to the spherical distances. Well, actually, we don't calculate their length. We can measure their length because we know how much um, this should be. The flat Earth distance is longer than the cable. That's impossible. And, you know, there's a difference here of several thousand kilometres. These submarine cables, in order to lay them, cost $3 million per kilometre. So this is $6 billion of cable that is somehow missing. Who paid for that? Um, we can look here at another cable going from Australia to Oman, and we get the same problem. There are lots of these. These are measurable physical objects. Um, we can look at train tracks. Here we are in Australia, the train track between Kalgoorlie and Takula. The track separation is 1,280 kilometres. 
Um, the spherical distance is 1,242. Flat Earth tells us that they should be 3,000 kilometers apart. This is something we can go and measure. This is something that people travel across. This is not some esoteric philosophical prattling about experiments that my interlocutors have completely failed to understand. We can do a comparison between this and Jacksonville, Pensacola. We can work out the spherical distance. We can see that we can measure the track separation and we can look at the flat earth distance, which is again too long. It's worth pointing out that these two, these two lengths of track are an equal distance north and south of the equator. And it's well worth noting that we that at both times, the distance per unit longitude is the same. We can test. The flat earth model tells us that a fixed band of longitude should increase in length the further southward you meet, you go. The spheroidal model says that it shouldn't. It should shorten again as you approach the southern pole. We can go back here. We've got a northern hemisphere and a southern hemisphere. If we just treat the track lengths as though they correspond exactly to, um, uh, to longitude, which they roughly do, we can see that the northern hemisphere um, longitude step is larger than the southern hemisphere longitude step. This should be impossible, but this is a physically measurable thing in the real world. We can go to Argentina even further south, and we can see that the we can see that east-west tracks get shorter. Um, so again, the flat Earth has failed to predict what we can measure to be true. Um, if we take a um, solid ball um, in an, in an, uh, a solid ball of steel, for instance, and we can um, we can introduce a vibration, we will observe that the surface vibrations travel like this. They go from the top pole where the vibration was applied down to the south pole. Let's look at an earthquake. On the left here is an azimuth of equidistant projection above the um, epicenter of the Macquarie Rise earthquake of 2004. On the right, we see the flood earth map for this. Let's watch how the energy projects out. Those blue One those minute. blue dots are the ones where uh, the most recent um, seismic arrivals. You can see on the left that it um, that it moves out in a roughly circular fashion. You can see on the sorry, you can see that on the left. On the right, it's spreading out in some sort of mess that doesn't make any physical sense whatsoever. But it will do in just a moment. We can see that the we can see that the energy spreads out in a circle. On the right, we can now see that it is converging in a circle on the right-hand side. It is converging circularly on a point opposite to the epicenter. This is exactly what we should expect to see on a um, spheroidal Earth. This is utterly unexplained by any existing flat Earth model. And um, one of my inter one of my inter how much? Ten seconds. 10 seconds. Here is the P wave shadow zone that my interlocutor was so concerned about. You will notice that there are no P wave arrivals. And then all, then all of a sudden they come in at once. This is observational data. This is real Time. stuff um, measured by instruments. All right. Well, thank you so much for your introductory statement there, Tony. Uh, we're going to kick the eight minutes over here to Daryl. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, being here, Daryl. And the floor is all yours. Awesome. So a moment, I'll get the screen share started. Sure thing. I'll just hold the clock. And am I good? 
Uh, not yet. There we go. It is up and running, and I'll start your timer right now. Awesome. So, hello, everybody. My name is Daryl Lee Berry, Jr. Uh, some of you may have known me. I was uh, debating this topic on this show a few years ago. Um, I actually live in, in Austin, Texas. I'm an undergraduate student in uh, physics and astronomy, so it's a pleasure to be here, partnered with PhD Tony, because I, I want to be a PhD, so I'm a, a big fan of his and the patience he obviously has to even have this discussion with all the stuff he obviously knows. The more I learn about physics and astronomy, the more I see how ludicrous the flat earth argument is. It's amazing that he has the patience to do this. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, uh, present my points uh, about some of the ways that we know the earth is a globe. Uh, looking at these debates as well as researching them, I find there's so many different ways, but I'll, I'll pick mainly two. Uh, these are the references that uh, relate to the di different things I'll show. But if anybody wants to click back and check them out. And the two things I'll focus on are basically the people and the cameras that we have in space uh, and looking to the sky. So basically, these are ways that we we know in various contexts that the that the Earth is a globe. So some of the pictures that we'll look at about people and, people and cameras in space, to give you a, a brief preview, and we'll start with the ISS, which is uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a spacecraft that's orbiting the Earth. At uh, about an hour and a half, it takes to go all the way around. Uh, and this picture in particular was taken by the, the, the Endeavour crew on this last flight to the ISS. Uh, this is that crew right there. They took a picture of it as they were leaving the space station. So the fact that we have people out in space that's orbiting the, the Earth, I mean, that's pretty conclusive that uh, the Earth is a globe. This is another picture taken by an astronaut. Uh, basically, it's the uh, area uh, out around the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, Cuba area. They call it the Hispaniola era, area, area. An astronaut took this picture, and as you can see, on the left, we don't see like an ice wall in the back or anything else that people are talking about. We see, you know, a nice globe that's curving. Uh, this is from earlier this year, the Guatemala fire, uh, wildfire. This picture was taken by a astronaut aboard the ISS. Uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. So we have that going on on a regular basis. They constantly run around the Earth and, you know, we could look up and see the ISS and things like that. Um, if, if you want to have a look at a timeline of the different observations that we have from space, there's a, a collection of the different satellite photos and uh, people who we had on spacecraft that took pictures of the Earth or pictures of various parts of the Earth. So if you want to check that out, that's a, it is a pretty good thing to check out. Uh, the next thing I'll point out is looking to the sky. And I'll spend a bit more time on this one. Uh, so basically the idea is that we look up look up at the sky and because, and, and uh, you know, PhD, PhD 20 is right that, you know, the shape of something is, is different from whether it's moving or not. A, a basketball sitting on the ground is a, is a sphere, whether it's on the ground or you're throwing it into the hoop. Well, yeah, we can still uh, uh, determine that the Earth is a globe as well from uh, looking at what's going on in the sky. Either, I don't know if the proper word would be determined or infer, whatever you want to call it. But one, one example would be simply the fact that the uh, model that we have, we can predict where the planets will be. So for instance, this is an image of Mars with one of his moons going around. This was actually taken by the by a, a satellite. Uh, I, can't, I can't recall which one. Uh, 
uh, that took the picture, a zoom in picture of Mars and the moon going around it. And basically, uh, this is one of the planets that you can, you know, you can go to timeanddate.com or various websites. And but we have all these these motions plotted to precision with our understanding of the Earth being a globe and uh, all the planets being spheres uh, revolving around the sun. Uh, this is another one of uh, Jupiter. This was actually taken by Voyager on, on its way to Jupiter back in 1979. And uh, you can see the red spot. You can see three of the biggest moons, uh, Io, Europa, and Callista. And that's another planet, of course, that you can look on various places online. Uh, we have all of these uh, uh, rotations or revolutions plotted precisely with Kepler's laws. We know where, they, where they're going to be. And, um, you know, you could just go online and see exactly where they're going to be. Look up and point your telescope there and you will see it there. And uh, here, Saturn. Ashley saw this one, not only on my own telescope, but uh, when, when I'm originally from in New Orleans, there was a guy in uh, in the French quarters. A lot of people do various things there to, to make some money. And he had his giant telescope out there and I was able to zoom in really close on Saturn and it was pretty cool. Um, so, you know, the fact that we have models based upon this and uh, and precisely can see where they at. The models, the predictions never fail. Uh, uh, shows me that our model is correct. Uh, the last thing I'll look into is actually solar eclipses. So, this is a solar eclipse from August 2017. One that I one that I saw myself uh, when I was living in Kentucky at the time. And you know, we have a clear clear understanding of what causes uh, solar eclipses. You have the sun. Uh, you have the moon in between the earth and the sun and the shadow of the moon uh, comes upon the upon the earth. And of course, we have another one coming up soon on April the 8th, which I plan on seeing. Ironically, I'm living in Texas now, and this one is coming right through Texas. So that, that'll be the second one I see. So now I have a solar telescope. I'll take pictures of it as well. But one thing I want to point out is if you compare these two solar eclipses, if you look at August in the northern hemisphere, we're about departing summer. So the the angle of the tilt of the planet is a little bit past the sun. And if you look at April, we're approaching summer. So the tilt of the planet is a little bit to the left of the sun. And you can see that in the shape of the path of the totally solar eclipse. You can look at the shape of the path of the shadow across the earth and compare what that shadow will do on the sphere with a little shadow moving across it and it matches. So, and that's why if you look at all the different paths of a solar eclipse and you compare it to where the tilt of the planet will be relative to the sun at that time of the year, it matches the 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 orientation of spheres revolving around spheres. Another thing that we notice with solar eclipses is they match the the uh, phases of the moon. So that picture at the top is a picture I took. One minute. Uh, that, and thanks. And you can see the January, uh, uh, depiction on that little phase ca calendar we're heading towards a half uh, moon and and it matches that, that. so if you notice a solely a solely eclipse is always when the moon is in a new moon because the moon is in between the earth and the sun so all of these things lined up um, so that's pretty much uh, what I had to discuss except for the fact that of course flat earth has none of this they have no predictions of a planet saw no predictions of eclipses no locations no path size no duration of course, the globe has all of that. Uh, the images they have of the planets, um, either they're unwilling or unable to utilize, uh, you know, telescopes and cameras properly. You know, I'm sure you've seen the things where they show like it looks like it's underwater. Uh, but 
you know, anybody who ever takes their own telescope out, you see that it matches what NASA shows. That's pretty much my uh, presentation. People in the cameras in space and look into the sky. It's time. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your introductory statement there, Daryl. We are going to kick it into an open discussion. And admittedly, uh, sometimes uh, it can get a little tough uh, back and forth. So if we have to move into muted rounds, then we will do that. Uh, but we're going to try to keep it as open as we can. Uh, once again, hit the like button. And if you like what you're hearing from any of our speakers, if you're listening on podcast right now, uh, all of these debates are uploaded to podcast form within 24 hours. So uh, definitely check us out on your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening on a podcast app, check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe and hit the bell so you don't miss these live events uh so let's put it back to the other side uh to respond to some of what you just heard toby and alan sure awesome. yeah <clears throat> uh, you can go ahead alan. yeah so i've seen in to tony's uh presentation there was a lot of references to different flat earth distances that didn't match out to the globe i was wondering where you got your flat earth distance project uh, predictions from because all all maps that we have available are just equidistant projections of the globe, right? So are you taking different globe projections and then saying that the distances don't match up and therefore like there's a flat earth discrepancy? We actually I don't... explained this in my presentation, um, but if you want, I can reshare. So yeah, there are two quick. there are two axioms and there are two axioms that go into this um, distance calculation. One is that if we know the latitude of a point, we know right. how far far it is away from the North Pole. Mm. And the other one is that we if we know the difference in longitude between two points, then we know the angle between two lines. Mm. As long as I have those two pieces of information, I can calculate the distance between them on a planar triangle using the cosine rule. This is just the, the planar cosine rule for a planar triangle. This is simple eighth grade geometry. Okay, the, there's, I'm not using anything about the globe. So if you're, if you're going to argue that my estimates one are second. wrong. Well, one second. Are you using the what longitude and latitude system are you using, sir? There's only one longitude and latitude um, system, sir. That's the globe, sir. So you're taking um, globe. Yes. So yeah. if you want to, <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is that a navigation and location system that works extremely well um, and is utterly reliable cannot be used with these axioms as though the earth is flat. So well, which actually, of these is wrong? Which well, of these one, is wrong? Are the positions well, wrong? Well, are the second. distances to the North Pole wrong, or are the uh, or are the difference in latitude longitude wrong? Which so, is wrong? Before we get to that, let's address the flat Earth predictions that you're doing. You're using the globe lati lat longitude latitude system. It's going to output globular distances. You're not going to get a flat Earth distance out of that, buddy. Please provide the correct flat Earth model, and I will implement it. I can implement it real time. So here's the thing. I don't have that. You don't one have you. one? The dog ate it? No. It's called, it's, go to ADL.place, click on Shane's flat earth model, right? And then we're going to go over the 69 miles per degree, right? Yes. This is, yeah, there's a, an this, so you're this ought to like... be, but, but in order for that to work, okay. So this, this form, this formulation here is exactly that. This is the spherical distance formulation. So what yeah. this does is it calculates the angular separation 
between the two points. And then it says, okay, it's 69 miles per degree of separation. That's this formulation. Yes. Okay. If you, if you want me to do that, tell me how to get the um, angular separation between points on Earth's surface that isn't from spherical trigonometry. Listen. Okay, this this is derived from spherical trigonometry. So if you're saying 69, 69 miles per degree of separation, that's spherical trigonometry. All right, I think Toby had a thought up there. Uh, did you want to jump in? Well, yeah, we go back to like a slide or two back. He, he tried to talk about like this whole thing's based on a crazy assumption. He's talking like these angles, uh, th these are reliable in all points of reference, but that's not the case. You know, even for us celestial navigation, uh, that that relationship. Please prove not, that point. That that please don't interrupt me. That relationship's not purely linear. Uh, and please actually, prove your point. Pro don't well, actually, just tell me. Showed, don't okay. just tell me something. Show me your evidence. Well, I did show you uh, a couple of papers in my opening talking about curved visual space and the way that we perceive this things. It's got nothing distance. to do with visual space, mate. Just one second there, Tom. We'll let him wrap up his thought. So 15 seconds there, Toby, and then we'll uh, let you have your thought there, Tom. Tony, sorry. <laughs> Toby sorry, did you Tony. say Tony or Toby? Yeah, I know. This, is gonna get, this might get uh, tough. I'll try to say Anthony. Uh, sorry, Tony. Uh, just to try That's to okay. stay from confusion. So 15 seconds, Toby, and then over to Anthony. Yeah, you asked for a model. You know, we actually literally did mo model it out. And it, like I said, it's not a linear relationship and it wouldn't be a linear relationship. So the fact that you're acting like you should expect a linear relationship shows that you don't actually understand how it should work on a flat earth model and how perception necessarily works. Um, this has nothing to do with perception, though, does it? But it does, because you're always going to be taking an angle out from a single point, correct? No, I can get my latitude and longitude from GPS, right? There's no and human how are you, perception. How are you There's no human You ask for me not to interrupt you. Um, there is no human perception involved in um, radar triangulation. Um, triangulation. Uh, oh, Have you, are you familiar with the uh, arc of the parallel? Maybe? I was still in the middle of speaking. You're the one. Hey. You're the one who got. You're the one who got chirpy about being interrupted. Hey, pardon me for trying to be conversational. Go ahead. Um. Uh. So there's no human perception involved in GPS, is there? I he's passed well, the floor, guys. So if you let's yeah, go into if you a time. If you would like to get yeah. into GPS for confirming the coordinate system, it's actually not going to help you because GPS has meridian corrections built into it. So it's going to output exactly the globular coordinate system. Now, the reason we're talking about perception and all this right now and the optics, right, is because the, that la that latitude and longitude system that you're adhering to that you think is a linear relationship due to Earth curvature with 69 miles per degree and all that, we're, we actually have the... the uh, curve visual space math for it. We can show that there's a logarithmic relationship with how we see and how this coordinate system is derived. So the, so one second. So when you're comparing different distances on, on a globe, right, all, all equal distant projections of the same thing on the same coordinate system, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So why is it that anything that travels, say, for instance, weather systems or earthquakes or tsunamis, or air pressure waves, why do they all travel in a uniform ring out from their focus under the well, spheroidal under the spheroidal coordinate system? Why 
um, is phys is the physics of wave propagation suddenly different um, uh, in order to in order to accommodate a flat Earth geometry? Well, I'm actually, I'm glad that you oh, asked. Well, I was going to turn it over to you. I was going to say I'm glad oh, you yeah. asked. Oh sure. No, I, I wouldn't mind uh, resharing again, real quick here. I sure. let me go ahead and pull up my presentation again. Yeah. When I do that, I'll remind everybody uh, that we will be doing Q&A after this. And I do want to get Daryl in here uh, to respond to what you're about to share. Uh, just because we haven't heard from you, I think, since we started. So uh, let's uh, let's get you in here. Uh, so, Toby, once you got your screen share up there and you want to make an argument and then we'll let Daryl respond. All right. So, yeah, so just... Like, first of all, the, your chart that you showed, so uh, this is not necessarily relevant for the screen share, but the chart that you showed is kind of crazy because I would think that you would know better than anyone that there's tons of anomalies within those sorts of, within those datas. Like there's, uh, I can pull up by, uh, you had, what was it, uh, Valdavia earthquake in 1960, uh, 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. Uh, the, the Valdavia earthquake had uh, the, the detected locations as far away as uh, Europe and Africa, Basically, the things were detected out of order, right? The phenomenon was attributed to unique propagation of seismic waves through Earth's mantle. Uh, and then in 2011, there was that uh, Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, and that was a nine, uh, you know, a, a magnitude of nine that triggered power, a powerful tsunami. And the seismic waves from that were detected at locations as far away as the west coast of the United States and South America before they reached some of the closest Japanese islands. So there's all there's all sorts of anomalies within it. And to try and straw man the flat earth on that is crazy because I don't even you're not even like going into detail about what flat earth model you would use. There's like a million different possibly possible ways you can compute that. And on the topic of computing that. So, uh, you know, this is what they actually do. Right. I. Uh, the, the 2D, 3D multiplied, transmitted, uh, converted, and reflected arrivals in complex layer media with the modified shortest path method. And so this is showing they use a multi-stage multi, scheme, uh, multi -stage scheme, and uh, they treat each layer that the wavefront enters as independent as an independent computational domain. Feel One obtains a transmitted... In. What's that? I was just telling the other fellows they are free to jump in at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've given gotcha. so, a bit. Uh, but it obtains a transmitted and or converted branch of layer arrivals by reinitializing in the adjacent layer and a reflected and or converted branch of later arrivals by reinitializing in the incident layer. So they do this for... Compu they, they, uh, they do things for computational efficiency. This is all based on computations. This is not measurements and this is showing here uh this is doing benchmarks they use the one uh one stage M M mspm uh and it de delivers delivers the same solution accuracy under less cpu time than the regular spm then what do you know that's actually going 2d versus 3d uh and the code of multi-stage fmm is in cart cartesian coordinates for 2d models and spherical coordinates for 3d models so this is all based on computations if we had the same type of supercomputer we could easily do it with a flat earth model uh, really Really, because I happen to be an expert in two in flat Earth um, seismic models, and I can cool. tell you that I I'm still speaking, and I can tell you that we've done research papers on how far you can treat the Earth as flat, and the, and the answer is less than 200 kilometers. On length scales more than 200 kilometers, your tomography falls apart and your arrival times um, shatter. So you trying to lecture me mm, on this no, subject is particularly, is particularly engaging. Um, but I'd like to share a post now. Um, so, well, so what about the fact that in those papers, they literally said if you just uh, if you just did a time differential, you could make it work on a flat earth? Um, they're talking about, they're talking about sites that are less than 200 kilometers away from the, yeah, um, but then you, you just have, to, do a, you just have to change your time. Don't over talk me. 
I don't yell, man. This is just a debate. Okay, don't to... over talk me and you I won't yell. You're conversating with me and I'm conversating with you. That's no, how it goes you're interrupting me, trying to, trying to cut me off. You're getting for no reason. Just, just interrupt you. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, when you do uh, raise your voice like that, Anthony, it is clipping uh, the mic, so it, 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 it does uh, break the threshold of uh, what okay, I have Okay, so, just... so I've just established, I've just established that I've published in this, um, that I've published in this discipline, that I've read heavily in this discipline, and this, and while I'm trying to explain results in this discipline um this guy wants to interrupt me and it's right. I, I don't think it's reasonable let's um, um let's forget so, the meta let's give you a minute so there. let's let's look at this this is a this is a plot of observations versus predictions the earthquake uh, the waveform arrivals are shown as dots and the model predictions are shown as solid lines Can I ask now a you will yes how is this extrapolated out to a map um, you will notice that the angular separation is given down the bottom in degrees. Okay, so are you using computations? The dots are observations. Based on what? In relation to what? So the initiating event is at the origin, time zero, down the bottom. That's the bottom left-hand corner of the figure. The time at which the wavefront is detected at the... Um, for a seismometer at a given angular distance away is recorded as a dot. Okay, so you have some computations, gotcha. Um, there are computations, yes, but you seem to have missed the part where there are observations. I mean, I already kind of clarified, right? That we could we can compute this on 101 million ways, especially if we throw more computational okay. power. Okay, well, no, you can't. No, you can't, and I'm yeah, about to demonstrate why. Um, the well, um, because on a, because on a flat Earth, the distance that the the distance that the wave has to so in this case the red dot is the um, is the epicenter, the black star is the focal event. Um, you can look at the surface distance between the epicenter and the receiver, which is the white circle, is the same in both formulations, in the flat Earth formulation and the um, and the uh, uh, and the, the spheroidal um, uh, formulation, but you will see that in the spheroidal formulation, it has to travel a significantly shorter distance. Okay, and when you look back at the observations, what do you know? The average velocity that the that the um, that the seismic waves takes decreases as you go with um, a, as you. Um, go with greater angular separation. They seem to be arriving faster than they should. It's not just a linear extrapolation of distance, which it should be if the Earth is flat. So this this set of this set of data is completely inconsistent with a with a um, flat Earth formulation. And I put it to you, sir, that you have no training in seismology, that you have no training in geophysics, and that you are opining on a subject that you are simply unqualified to opine on. Ah, uh, so you're not going to be able to explain it to me because you actually can't explain it to me, can you? Um, I I just to, did explain it to you, and if you, I just did explain it to you, sir. Me without any I just did explain it to you, sir. All right. We'll we'll give you a uh, yeah we'll give you a couple seconds there, uh, Toby. If anybody else has any other thoughts, um, or if you wanted to do a screen. Sorry, share, but... sorry, I cut off Daryl again. Oh, sorry as well. And but... I'd love to bring up the papers that you brought up in your debate with Witzik because I actually went through those and I actually like I already did. You understand the point that I made about changing the time differential to make it work on a flat Earth model, and they even said that in the paper that you brought up. 
Um, yes, they did for local wavelengths. They were, no, they no, no, were, that was talking they were, about yes, the, where the, yes, literally yes, in the papers, yes, literally sir. the part where they're talking okay, about the discrepancy second, between the far distance and the short distance. So it's actually talking about that specifically. It's, and yes, about and, the and what's the conclusion of the paper, sir? The conclusion of the paper is that flat earth models are not about, should not be used for distances over 180 kilometers, isn't Unless it? change the time differential. Um, yes, so time has to magically change, does it, sir? Is that well, physics? Speed, speed could change, right? And what is, what is speed is a measure of time over distance, right? So actually... No, speed is not sorry, time over distance, time. sir. Oh, wow, you got me. Earth must be a globe. No, so if, if, so if the distance is relevant in that equation, right, then the, that must just mean that maybe there's a difference when you start going is, below the Earth's surface. Maybe you don't actually your, know. What is, what maybe you don't basis? actually know what the Earth is made up of. Please what don't interrupt me. Maybe you, please don't interrupt me. Please don't interrupt me. Please don't interrupt me. Tony, please don't Tony, interrupt I don't want to put you on We got to let him finish his thought. Maybe you don't actually know what beneath the surface of the earth maybe you're wrong about it maybe the speed would be a little bit different because your assumptions are all based on assertions of a, of a bunch of uh geo geo uh magnetogeology geology sedimentary uh rocks that don't add up things that a bunch of things that don't add up that's all confounded on each other that doesn't we, even work with newton's shell theorem it's like it violates the first law of gravity it's insane all right we're gonna let daryl and alan in here i'm sorry tony just because okay, i, I want to respond and... to that I, 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 just I would like to Tony is an expert on this stuff, so okay. I'm, I'm actually want to. I would like to jump in on a different topic when he finished with this topic, but okay. I, sure far be it from me to try to talk about seismology and earthquakes when Tony's here. So I'm fine with him handling this, and that, and, and and I want to talk more about okay. uh, Mickelson and, and interferometry and stuff like that. That, no that time adjustment, that time adjustment that you're suggesting, is applied to the seismic stations. It's not applied to tr to travel within the Earth. You are you are basically adjusting the seismic stations. That's what you're doing when you do that time adjustment. Um, so so in you're you're saying that for some reason time doesn't doesn't um, flow linearly at Earth's surface. And again, sir, um, it's amazing to me that you're here arguing for flat Earth rather than the authors of the paper you suggest supports flat Earth. Why do you think that is? Wait. So you want me to you want me now to go into the mind of the person that published the paper and talk about what their motives are in their life? No, I want you to. Is that supposed concede, to be? Is that supposed to edify the listeners of this debate? I want you to concede that the authors of the paper do not agree with your interpretation of its oh, content. Oh, so do I have to? Do I also have to absorb their favorite color, their favorite food, their favorite ice cream too? Or if I disagree with that, does that mean that I must that that you know I they must be I must be wrong about everything that they say? Well, well. let's let's take a particular example. You quote the ally effect. That's not how that it, works? Obviously, um, I'm being sarcastic, right? Um, do you quote the ally? You quote the Elias effect. Um, the Elias effect is a deflection from the standard precession of a Foucault pendulum, which is compared against predictions based on a rotating Earth. So if you accept that the Elias effect is real, then you are accepting Earth rotation is real. So um, the, the idea, the, you know, the, this pattern of you introducing a, introducing a scientific result and ignoring the observations that underlie this scientific result is more general than seismology. Um, and, and to me, it's a deeply concerning thing. To be brutally honest, it seems deceptive. It seems okay. uh, willfully deceptive. He's calling me deceptive. Can I maybe respond, James? Yeah, yeah. My name is Ryan. I'd like to have way, like a, a good minute without James. interruption, if possible. Yeah, you get a minute on the floor. We'll okay, great. So I love same. that you brought this up, right? Because 
I, this to me is, is everything. This is, I can go, I can go into the ether wind now. Cause that's what this is all about. The, uh, interferometry measures a correlation with the sun and the moon. That's the motion of the sun and the moon. And it, it varies by like 30%. So the, the rotation of the earth is not getting faster and slower by 30% as the year changes. That's crazy. Uh, and it, you know, and the earth isn't rotating faster when you go higher at altitude. That's crazy. And what do you know? Interferometers, the co the measurements that interferometers make correlate with the same measurements that the pendulum makes. And you're going to try and invoke the fact that the pendulum rotates precisely in line with the rotation of the earth. But if you actually go and look at specific experiments, you'll find that quite frequently it does not actually align with the perfectly with the rotation of the earth. And they have to make adjustments. And a lot of these museums that have Foucault pendulums actually have uh, electromagnetic systems in place to keep the motor in place to keep things processing at the proper rate because they don't want people someone to come into the museum and suddenly oh why is the earth's not rotating today that's crazy because they they literally don't work as expected okay so what you're claiming mm -hmm. is that Elias faked his results because he was he was he noted deflections from the procession from the rotation predicted procession that's his entire result so if you're claiming that that's faked then you're saying that Elias faked his results and then noticed a deflection away from his faked results. You're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and no. the, the, um, 37 also, seconds. also this, this claim about the Sanyak effect, you understand that the Sanyak effect is not restricted to lasers, right? The yes. Sanyak effect can be detected in matter waves. So they yep. can get a cloud of they can get a cloud of um, a super cool um, cesium in a Bose-Einstein condensate, propagate mm -hmm. it around, propagate it both ways around oh, a circuit, okay. and look at the and look at the interference. So Ten you're seconds. aware of that research, are you? It's in neutrinos too. Yes, we are. Yeah, Ruyang Wang did an experiment with it in 2006. Or no, that was matter uh, wave interferometers was 26, 2012, I think. And, but yeah, Ruyang Wang did an experiment with it and found that it was the exact yeah the exact same thing. And he, electrons. Yeah. Even okay, proposed, so, even so how does ether... Just one second it. there, Tony. We're doing time, so okay. he's got 45 seconds left. Unless he wants to see it. How does ether affect the... Um, uh, how does ether affect Schrodinger's equation? So that was a really random question? Uh, no, because, because okay, okay, matter okay. wave interferometers... Matter wave interferometers rely rely on the propagation of Schrodinger's wave for a Bose-Einstein condensate. That's how the interferometry is measured. So if you're saying that this is that this is due to ether wind rather than, for instance, Earth rotation and motion, then you're saying that the ether is having an effect on Schrodinger's equations. What yeah. is that effect? How did you demonstrate that? And how is it quantified? So the Fringe displacement that's measured in the matter interferometry, neutrino interferometry, electron interferometry, regular electromagnetic interferometry, right, is all um, in regards to the ether wind relative to the latitude. So you, how they're describing, quote unquote, earth rotation, right, it's, it's the ether wind relative to the latitude. Um, that oh, wasn't my question. My question is, how does ether wave um, affect Schrodinger's equation? It's a wave equation, my dude. Um, yeah, yes. So what? When show me so, where in Schrodinger's equation buddy, the ether the ether is included. Schrodinger's equations are based off of Maxwell's electromagnetic theory, which is based off of the ether anyway. So you're no, not, not so true. yeah, it's hundred percent true. And by, and no, by it isn't. It's hundred percent true, and by invoking it, you're no, not it doing, isn't doing anything. 
Okay. I mean, if well, I can, you if can, just, I can you jump can just in on this it. topic for a moment, because I want to actually, this is one thing I wanted to talk about, because I, I noticed that both, like Toby, in this debate here, you mentioned Milkerson Mold and Interferometry, and I, I saw a little bit of your last debate, maybe not your last debate, but one of your previous debates, Alan, and you mentioned it too. So it sounds like you both are saying that uh, the Mickelson Molde experiment was to show that the Earth is not moving. Is that correct? So they were trying to measure the mo the motion of the Earth, right? So nope. if they were the, the title paper, of the paper, let me, let, me, uh, let, me, let me take this one a bit, Tony. I want I want to yeah. actually discuss this one with them a bit. But what, what was that? Absolutely, brother. So the title of the paper is. Let's see. It's on the relative motion of the Earth in the luminiferous ether, right? Okay. So, what, so, so right now, but perhaps you can yeah, you, point out to us in the page, like where yeah. where in it is it saying that they were measuring the motion of the Earth? Okay, scroll. Okay, uh, are you, are you able to see it? Yeah, look, here, let, me, uh, let me let me screen share. I have it. I can I can bring it up sure. for you immediately. Okay, go ahead. Give me, give me Remember one to warn before you screen share. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to screen share in about two seconds. Okay, one two. All right. And I'll also pull up while he's doing that. I can pull up Albert Einstein saying that that's why he devised stuff special relativity. All right. Is it on my fuck? Is it on my second monitor? Can you guys see it? Correct. <laughs> we are seeing. We're good. We're seeing everything on there. There we go. Uh, the American Journal right. of Science. <laughs> All right. Here. Uh, here we go. All right. Here we go. So, right here, they're giving their derivation for how they're going to measure the velocity of Earth. So we have v little v, d, t, and t, right? So we got v for the velocity of light, v for the velocity of earth. The two time differentials here, when they reduce the equations down, they have 2d over v squared over v squared, right? So the velocity of earth over the velocity of light. That's how they're deriving their proportional relationship with the fringes. Now, when they get down here to what they actually measured, oops, one second. When they get down here to what they actually measured, they had a prediction of five fringes, which was going to correspond to 30 kilometers a second. They measured a little over one fringe, which corresponds to about four to six kilometers a second. Now, depending on who you ask, you'll get some fluctuations within that. But it's about four to six uh, kilometers a second is the accepted value. So what we have here on this uh, ending page here, page five, they say that... So, so what, one moment, because I, 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 I want you to specifically so Because my friends, mm -hmm. look at that part right there. Yet you have in mm -hmm. green. Mm -hmm. It says, and what proceeds only the orbital motion of the Earth is considered. And this is combined with the with the motion of the solar system concerning mm -hmm. which but little is known with certainty, the result will have been modified. So this is clearly saying that from their perspective, the Earth is moving, the solar system is moving, and they're measuring that with relation to something else. What you're saying is not matching what the paper is saying. It, it, it's right there. You could also go to, the, let's say, the, the, the last page. Go, go way to the end, all the way to the end. It says, on, finally, on, uh, finally, it? on Lorenz's notes, yeah. Finally, there remains a determination of the velocity of light by observations of the eclipses of Jupiter satellites. If the improved photometric methods practiced at the Harvard Observatory makes it possible to observe these with sufficient accuracy, the difference in the results found for the velocity of light when Jupiter is nearest to and farthest from the line of motion will give not merely the motion of the solar system with reference to the stars, but with reference to the luminous, luminiferous ether itself. So clearly, their their premise is that the Earth is moving and the solar system is moving, and they're measuring it in respect to an ether. So what you're saying is not matching. I want to I want to look at something else because one thing one thing I'm noticing is for you to speak, for, it seems to me that how you're talking as if you understand this stuff. So let me let me ask you, would you go to page three thirty six? You were talking about the equations. 
Uh, right there, uh, uh, a little bit farther. So on the line where it says neglecting terms of the fourth order, would you tell me what that means? What do they mean by that? Exacting terms of the fourth order. Where you at? Where you see that at? Your mouse is right there, a little bit higher. It says 2D V over V, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, right there. Oh, okay. Neglecting terms of the fourth order. What, what do they mean by that? Neglecting terms of the fourth order. So not sure. You don't know. So you have would no you, idea what the hell you're talking about. You're talking about you like these equations as if you know what you're talking about, but you don't. You can, you can answer. But let me, it, let me uh, ask you this. What okay, hold on one second. One second. Is, one, one second. One second. To, uh, Tony, you can go ahead and answer real quick. What is, I is, is I, 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 Tony, Tony, let me let me go ahead and have this. I don't I don't want yeah. him to run away from this. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not don't know what you're I, talking I'm objectively Tony's the answer. Yeah, Tony Tony can hold his thought, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, because because I let him have the whole seismic thing because I wanted to get this. You were sitting here earlier saying this is the this is T, this is the this is what they're measuring. You don't even know that is a simple mathematical understanding. That's the foundation of understanding these formulas. If you don't know that, clearly you have no idea what they're talking about. Let me ask you this. This experiment, what order experiment was it? What order so experiment they, is the Wilkinson Board experiment? They say that it's a second order experiment. It is actually a first order experiment because in 2004, the Sagnac effect was linearized. So the fact that this... Uh, hold up, hold thought, up. So that, so that answers the question? This, so the fact that, that, that answers the question? Thought, I, I don't want you to I, run away. One moment. This it's, is a what first, I found. it's a first order experiment. All right, let's let Daryl so, clarify So tell me question. what that means. What that means Tell is me what you, that could, means. you could find a direct proportional relationship to what's being measured. And I can so, tell you right now, again? I don't so, care so about the, the order. You can find yeah. a direct proportional. What, what does that mean as far as the equation? What is it okay. that's happening in the equation? That. So right here, the velocity component, right? This is what they're trying to measure, right? So that's the, um, that's what they're measuring, bro. You have no idea what you're talking about. What, what this is talking about is, is it's actually a Taylor expansion. And when you Taylor expand, every single order of the expansion has a different a different power on the exponent of the expansion. So they're neglecting everything above the third exponent of the third expansion of, of the of the Taylor expansion. You have no idea what you're talking about. Bro, Therefore, listen. you don't understand what this experiment is. So everything, 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 both Toby, did you understand that? Do you even know what that is, Toby? You mentioned it as well. Do you, do you know how to do a Taylor expansion? No, I don't need to to understand right the direct proportional relationship okay. of the Sanyak so you don't understand what you're talking about No, Daryl, no, just one second. Daryl, can I? You, you did ask him a question, Daryl. You've so. been talking for a minute, bro, about how we don't. Just, just one second, there, Alan. So before so Toby get now off your chest, we can proceed. Just one second, Alan. Before Toby loses his thought, over to you, Toby. And I just asked to give the floor to Toby. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, I don't need to understand the fourth order stuff at all. I don't care about the fourth order stuff. I'm more concerned with the, with first, second order. Right. Uh, and especially in the case of, uh, of understanding the motion, I, you know, they're just trying to, they're going to try and derive things out to fit it into an orbital motion, but that's not, you know, like you're, you're trying to say that because these guys are, have, have a, have an, uh, a desire to make this fit within their geo or their heliocentric model, that that means that I have to have that same desire in order to look at their first order and second order measurements. That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. No. That's, that's go. Please don't interrupt me. 
Uh, and then also just in, in general, right? Like you can look at Ruyong Wang's math from 2004. You know, right now we're looking at a paper from 1887. So, you know, if you want to pull up Ruyong Wang's 2004 generalized Saniac effect, he does a really good job of going through the math in that paper. And he actually shows that it's directly proportional to the, uh, to the ratio of V plus or minus, you know, C plus or minus V is directly proportional relationship. And what do you know? It's not just a rotational vector. It's a linear vector, which you guys still have not responded to. And I have a feeling that you're not going to provide we do a to substantive uh, response to that. Uh, but to to get in here because that would have been but yeah just there, just but... uh, just the, the point being i don't need to know what they're talking about with fourth order there in order to talk to understand the first order saniac effect c plus or minus v and how that directly violates page one of special relativity all right over to you tony okay there are two things here there there, there are actually three things that i want to want to go on um special relativity cannot have been violated because it has been observationally validated Oh yeah. Um, the the decay rates of um, the decay rates and energy rates of um, particles in particle accelerators, like the large large hadron collider, agree exactly with um, special relativity. Special relativity has been observationally validated millions of times. So to claim that you know you you based on your understanding of the Sagnac effect have discredited or undermined it is um, uh, frankly nonsense. Observations are the kings. We've observationally validated special relativity. Give it up. No, I mean, I substantively brought forth papers, multiple papers. I cited the exact math that I was referencing. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny, you act like this is like such a simple, straightforward thing. But when Einstein put forward special relativity, a whole board of scientists came. It was like a whole a whole fissure in the scientific community because everyone knew it was utterly pseudoscience, but it was forced upon the world. All right. Let's yeah, see. I can the show you a paper. I can show you a signed paper of a hundred prestigious scientists that were coming out against relativity. I I don't care. What I care about mm. are the observations. Yeah, Special like when they tried relativity. to measure the, motion, the orbital motion of the Earth and didn't get any. You asked me not to interrupt you, and now you're just being a prick about it. Okay. Um, uh, please don't do that or put yourself on mute. I'm going to I'm going to go back. Special relativity has been observationally validated millions of times. Do you concede that to be the case? Yes or no? Are you just denying reality? Not. I'll just end the screen share. I went looking for it and I couldn't now. find it. So no. Okay. No, don't, well, because we're going to come it? back to it here in a second. As soon as these, these scenes, they're done wrapping up. Okay. okay. Just let me know. When you're I'll, ready. I'll, I'll, I want to ask another gotcha. question. I, I, I really do want to ask another question. Can I share my screen for a moment? Yeah, uh, I think that would be fair. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. You're we'll good. do that. Go That's ahead. fine. One sec. <laughs> I got you. All right, go ahead there, Tony. I'm quick <laughs> with that. Okay. I've had to be. Why aren't we talking about this? Here we have two lengths of railway track that are measurable. They are physical things. They completely destroy the possibility that longitude bands get longer as you approach the South Pole. Um, so this is direct, measurable, observational evidence that um, the planar geometry is impossible. How do you just gloss over this and say that my understanding of the Sagnac effect is such that this doesn't matter? It's just not important. We'll, we'll go on and we'll disagree with all the scientists and their interpretation of the Sagnac effect. We'll disagree with all of the observational validation of special relativity. Um, um, you know, based on our limited understanding of these papers. But here's a test. Here is a measurable physical test. Why is this not important? 
All right, because nobody cares about the geodesic arc links that are derived from the celestial sphere in the sky. So can we this get is back measurable? To, great. Can we get back to Mickelson Morley? And Daryl, I want to say no! much respect, bro. I love that you brought the heat on Mickelson Morley. Let me know when you're done, Tony, so we can so me and dude can get back to Mickelson Morley. Okay. Yeah, have, well, have full circle, let me ask right? Daryl. So get back to it. We can come full Let circle, me ask Daryl. Don't you think that this is, you know, sort of it? What, what I disagree with about Mickelson Morley is that it is completely unrelated to shape, right? It doesn't tell you anything about the shape of the Earth, even if we accept what these people say about it. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't, um, it, it is based on an esoteric discussion about the contents of um, scientific papers. And with all due respect, these scientific papers are not written so that you guys can understand them. They are written for the benefit of um, other experts in the field. And the the oh, cherry picking that you do. Um, uh, yeah, can you, you wrap this up? Are you done gaslighting us yet or what? Um, do, you, do you have uh, some more picking, stuff you want to get in? All right, just do you, one second. Yes, no, there is. Him... That's why I'm still talking, mate. You can tell I want to keep talking by the fact I'm keeping talking. All right, Tony, we'll give yeah, you yeah, but you're just gaslighting me. Are you going to say something gaslight? All right, we're going to give Tony 15 seconds to wrap up and then we'll let you guys respond to some of the things you've heard. Thank you. Mainstream scientific papers are not written for the benefit of the layperson. They are written for the benefit of experts. And your interpretation of their contents is basically disconnected from observational reality. Yeah, so just real quick, I can try and respond to that. I, you guys heard him just trying to essentially tell us that we're not allowed to have an opinion on this because we don't have a PhD like him. I, but you know, I looked at the papers, I read the paper, you guys looked at the paper with your own eyes. So for the edification of the audience, hopefully you're not being gaslit, because that's all he just did was gaslit literally the entire audience there. Um, but to talk about why the why relativity is important, it's because like I showed earlier with the Venn diagram, the ether winds at the center of everything. And if you actually show that there's an ether, an ether wind that has a higher velocity at altitude, uh, and changes with it, it correlates with the with the motion of the sun and the moon in the sky. If you can show that substantively, uh, substantively, then you have a really, really, really hard time making that work on a globe. Uh, especially can you prove that an ether exists, especially within the framework of special relativity. Uh, and can I internalized prove? special relativity growing up. I I actually believed in the twin paradox. I actually thought that you know if I went out in space and I left my twin, that if I actually was able to achieve space travel at some point in my life, that my reality would age faster than me behind me, and then I'd come home to a to a, a ruined world. So the idea of exploration is just nonsense within the Einsteinian nonsense. paradigm. It's crazy how it just makes you nihilistic, isn't it? But I. Uh, yeah. So in any case, the ether winds at the center of all this. And then as far as your thing about Australia um, and about, uh, you know, the, the, the distances there, uh, I would just like to say, you know, like maybe maybe you don't understand, but all maps, uh, all of the globe is based on the King's Decree, uh, the idea of, you know, we have to follow this specific longitude and latitude Feel system. Everything is mapped to the sky. Everything Thanks. is based on angles to the sky. And so the fact that your globe model, which is based on angles to the sky aligns with itself is not impressive and if i were to go out and take angles to the sky and map it to a flat earth map i would be able to produce the same result and i would hope that you wouldn't except deny that you haven't in sense except you haven't except you can't oh you so can't that means that it's not flat because i didn't go and flat it myself you can't... okay you second. talked for a long time and you overran your time and i didn't interrupt you for a long time so now we get to talk 
you can't calculate distances, you can't calculate bearings, you can't do celestial navigation properly, you can't make GPS work. There, there's lots of things flat Earth can't do, except apparently prattle about the Mickelson-Morley experiment, which you're very good at. Off you go. Tony, and, and, and I'll jump in here. And Tony, you, you actually make a good point. And obviously, as a scientist, uh, you know how to get straight to the heart of the matter, calculating distances, which they can't do. One reason why I find this topic interesting is because, like, looking at uh, Alan's debate, I was looking at him talking about this stuff, and clearly he didn't understand what he was talking about, like I just pointed out. And yet there were people in the chat saying, oh, he's bad as killing them, because they didn't understand either. So that's why I want to go ahead and point out the fact that these people don't really understand the math that they're glossing over as if they understand it, which totally undermines not only their argument about Sadniak, but they told the whole argument together. This same understanding, or, or you should say lack of understanding by which they present themselves as if they understand this more than the experts in it. It's the or same understanding that they use on everything else. So that's why I want to focus on this. So what, what did you want to say about it, Alan? I think yeah. about 50% of their argument has been gaslighting. Isn't that insane? All right. Cool. So we're back to the, what was it? The fourth order thing that you were describing here. So this was a, what did you call it? A, what was the name again, please? It's a Taylor expansion. Taylor expansion. Right. So when they get back down here though, to this part where they're just showing 2dv over v squared over over the velocity right what's that doing what is that is that a first order or second order relationship that they're deriving with the velocity of earth versus the velo over the velocity I hope of light you all behaved <laughs> I, I didn't do that matt you should no, have done the math because you're the one that brought it up well it's a it's a simple question you don't have to do any math it's just the relationship that they're measuring right here Right. So when you say that this part is about the uh, Taylor transformation or tr uh, sorry, what was it again? Taylor thing. I you don't even understand that. This, this is where I'm coming hey, from. Let's, no, no, let's, listen, let's listen. back up. No, no, no. You talk for a minute no. and gaslit the fuck out of me. So I'm going to how I don't know this Actually, shit. Actually, y'all well, talked so, almost so, the whole time. I didn't really um, get anything in. So, so if you will, let me we'll actually get a little bit in. We'll I mean, to be seconds. honest, y'all had the, the floor almost the whole time. Yeah, I want to give the floor to you, Daryl, because I haven't heard much of Daryl. Go ahead. You're right. Exactly. So why don't we do this? Okay. Both both you and Toby brought brought up Mickerson Morley. Um, in your first debate, you your last debate, I would say you brought up the paper Alan by Wang, and mm. um, and Toby brought it up this time. So both of y'all apparently pushed that in to to support this. And you mm -hmm. all you both also say that this is a first order experiment. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. he derived, he derived the, the first order math. Forward. He derived okay. the first order math in 2006 using a phase conjugate mirror, actually. Okay. Okay. Why does he bring up the Wang paper? He derived let me, let the math using a phase conjugate mirror. Okay. okay. Yep. What? We can look at that paper after this. Don't use phase conjugate mirrors in mathematics. Or would you like me to bring it? Oh, up? you can't use them to you can't use them to measure a wave pattern the same way that it was reflected. Measuring a wave pattern isn't mathematics. Actually, I apologize. Oh, you don't use mathematics to to extrapolate the the ratio of the friendship. You said he used. Wait, so do you not use mathematics to calculate? You said you said he used a phase conjugate mirror to derive the mathematics. No, he yeah, derived the mathematics, the mathematics to show the first order measurement of the speed of light. He derived the mathematics. You can you can try and talk over me to cover up your another. I mean, it's not going to make the Earth more globular, dude. It, it, um, yes, right, but this, this is, uh, we don't want to. You are constantly discrediting yourself with regard That's to an assertion that you haven't substantiated. Um, okay. Yes, but that's all you make. 
You make assertions. The Mickelson-Morley experiment did this. The Ally experiment did this. Blah, 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 did that. Blah, 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 did that. Blah, 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 did and that. And I try to tell and, you how we've actually derived first order. I am still talking. I'm still in the middle of talking. And I don't intend to stop just because you started. But both of you have kind of pulled away from what we were just talking between Daryl and Alan. We've gotten back into the meta debate. Yeah, let me let me take it for a moment, Tony. And I don't think y'all have this article. So let me let me share it real fast. Uh, give me a moment. I shall share my screen momentarily. I've got position it we'll give in you a, a good spot. Yeah, everybody got a minute on the floor and they shared their screen. So we'll give you the floor here, Daryl. Right. So, so you all, so let me know. Are y'all able to see it? We're ready. Is it showing? Nope. I think I got the screen screensaver. Oh, yeah, we could see it. It was just your desktop Try screen. <laughs> yeah, I was to say there was sure. nothing there yet. That's right. It was sharing on my, end. I did what I was supposed to do. All right. What about now? Test of yep. the one-way speed of light. You're up and running. Awesome. So so both of y'all say this is a first-order experiment. If you look at this, this is by the same three who wrote the paper, the other one that y'all wrote, Wang, yeah, Zing, he, and Yeah, and Yao. he derives the first-order. Yeah, he it, derives it, the math. It, All right, it, this it, is it, his minute. I, I'm, I'm talking at the moment. Okay. It says, uh, 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 let me scroll down a bit. Uh, I, I'm going to highlight what I'm looking at. To fully verify the principle uh, relativity required reconducting the Nicholson Morley experiment, at least the frame of reference moving relative to the Earth, which is the principle of constancy of the speed of light, will also be examined. The Milkelson experiment is a second order experiment. The possible effect is proportional to V over C squared, where V is the speed of the system. And this paper also tells you why it's a second order experiment. Let me scroll it down a bit farther to page two, and I'll highlight this for you. Yeah, and actually, if you want to know, says, we're, 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 we're looking at the I'm sorry, I really like this paper. Wait, one moment, please. One moment, please. Right, as, a matter of fact, as, as a matter of fact, I'm reading right here. Uh, the first, we have science side two, the first order term, but one is positive and another is negative, so they cancel each other out. Therefore, the Mickelson Morley experiment with the conventional mirror is a second order experiment. So the experiment, what happens is when the phase is altered by the reflection, the first Five the seconds. first reflection cancels out. That's why it's not a first order experiment. Y'all called it a first order experiment, and the data is not even there. The first I'll order cancels. I'll tell you. So, I'll so, tell so you why. Me. I so can I say something real quick, Alan? So excuse me. Right. So, excuse me. Yeah, so, so, so when you all so excuse me. So when you all say. You don't have to understand first order, second order, third order. Not, when you all say you don't have to understand the tail expansion, but you understand the experiment, obviously you're wrong because you're talking about first order when first order isn't even there. It's been canceled out by the sheer fact of the phases being offset at a 90 degree time. angle to each other. Yeah. yeah. So can, what can you're I saying now? is He's wrong. Just, I show that you have no idea what you're talking about. I show that you don't even understand the fundamental math to understand the equations that, that you're all planning about. So everything you said about this is gone. I'm done. So if you want to Thank jump you. in, Tony, we're, we're good. Yeah. So that paper was published before Wang did the experiments where he uh, linearized the Sagnac effect. No, it's after. So he, is it? Because yes. he calls it a second order experiment, but I'm calling it a first order. Because if you if you take the the uh, the reflections, right, and stretch it out, it's the same as the, a fiber optic gyro. It's the exact same. So even though they, he's calling it second order, it's not. He linearized he, the second effect. And that's what he shows. He, what experiments have you done? He, huh? What experiments have you to confirm that I, the first order in, stays? Please, I got this, Tony. What experiments have you done, Alan, to confirm that the first order stays and Wang Ru is Yong, wrong? Ru Yong Wang did them in 2004 and in 2003. So how, how are you right and he's wrong when you're basing it off his work? 
I just read uh, it. Can you I, saw it. Can I please he now actually it's, respond? It's because he's order. just not letting Excuse me respond. Order, I the first order disappeared. We'll, we'll How do you know he's wrong when he did the experiment? I'm going to respond instead of Alan. Okay, Daryl, you got that? It's cool, Toby, if you want to jump in here. Daryl, so first of all, just in case, like, FYI, we've like we've read Wang's papers live on air. Like we have a we have multi-hour sessions reading these on the air. And actually, I just did a presentation on all twelve of Wang's papers about a week and a half ago, and I explicitly went through this paper. And the whole point of this paper is for him to corroborate what he did in two thousand four and show that his assumptions about the first order measurement of the one-way speed of light were actually correct. And he used the face conjugate mirror to reflect the wave beam back the same the the front of the wave beam remains the same when you use a phase conjugate mirror so you use a classic interferometer mirror and then you compare that against the uh, split wave beam going up against the the phase conjugate mirror and then when those come back and, and recombine your phase difference then allows you to extrapolate out what the one-way direction of that one way of that one beam was and what do you know it actually corroborated his 2004 experiments 10 seconds so, so regardless of first or second property. order, the speed of light is still not constant, and Einstein's still utterly wrong, and you're living in a fantasy land if you think that the speed of light is constant. That's time. Let me show um, understand you properly. Nick and Sylvia Morley used the phase, uh, the, the phase conjugator to get a second to get, to get the first order? No, you're lost. We're talking about Ruyong Wang, 2004, asking, 2006. Did... Did they use the phase conjugate mirror, Mickelson and Morley? So you're trying to get us on a gotcha versus second, first versus second order measurements. That's not going to make the Earth a globe, dude. I'm it's asking okay you a question. Did, I'm asking you a question. Did Mickelson and Morley use a phase conjugate mirror to get the first order result? No, and no one said that. It is not a first order experiment. You're wrong. So You're contradicting if, what Wang said. Well, you're wrong. Just we just read it. So it doesn't matter how long you read the it, papers and how long you opine about it. You're Darryl. still wrong. Daryl, I got go, you, Brody. Go ahead, I might I, I might be wrong about my about my interpretation of that with the Nicholson Morley. Can I ask a question? If, it, if it's a if it's a second order, does that change the velocity that was measured though? Right? Because your whole thing that you kind of linchpinned or that you kind of hung your hat on was that they were measuring the relative velocity of the entire solar system and the motion of the earth, right? They still didn't get a proportional velocity in their second order measurement, right? It's because so, the ether is not real. That's why. That's, that's no. your assertion. That's why it's a no result and it leads to relativity. All right. You had a question. One, guys, second, one second. One second. One second. One second. Right, last 30 seconds. If, if the earth is, if the ether is stationary in their, if, in their proposition, right, then what they're measuring is the velocity component of the, you can answer if you want. Is of, that the earth, uh, of the earth. Girl, did you understand? He's asking a question. No, I'm no. sorry. I thought I, I thought you were talking to Tony for some reason. What, what did you say? Oh, it, it was just for anyone. Uh, okay. So, okay. If if the ether is stationary in their proposition, right? They're saying this is a stationary ether, and the Earth is moving, right? So, if they take a measurement, if there's a fringe shift pattern displacement, if there's a proportional velocity measured, is that the ether moving or the Earth? What what is it? I'm I'm going to yeah. defer to the experts. They found that that proves that there's an ether. Do you have any, can either of you produce <laughs> any observational evidence telling me that, it, um, showing me that ether exists? Any scientific observation that tells me, it, peer-reviewed, published, that there is such a thing as ether? 2004, Ru Yang Wang, sure, there you go. 1913, uh, Fresnel uh, measuring the translational speed of ether drag. So you're water. claiming you're claiming that the Dick existence Miller, of the ether is an established scientific fact. Hundred percent. Not. I mean, it's not accepted within okay. the mainstream because you're, you're the mainstream you're, paradigm you're is relativity. I don't. 
Oh, oh, cool. You got us. Do you think we don't know that the relativity is the mainstream theory that, you know, utterly that has to throw out the idea of a substantive medium necessary for electromagnetic waves propagation? But you, you, you have no observational evidence that this is true. Um, oh, it's certainly... a ferometry ever. So you're just discounting no, everything we no, said, all the all evidence that we actually brought. No, ever does not. Then can you... Um, you know, all interferometry ever does not does not cut it. We what's have the, what's the um, velocity have, relative to it? Let Tony let's finish his at, thought. Let's look at this. Um, we have gravitational time dilation observed at Earth's surface, right? No, you a pound repka? No. Is that what you're going to say? How would you like? How would you like to substantiate that? What experiment would you like to cite, sir? I think go um, yes, a, uh, there's a a, no. Please, pound no. Snyder? Okay. No. Nope. Atomic clock. Yes. Ooh, here we go. Please. Well, what? So this is a published result of gravitational time dilation. What do you? Uh, why do you refute it? Why do you reject it? Well, let's hear. Let's hear the details. Yeah, give us the deets, brother. So this is Bothwell et al. Um, I can bring up, allow me to share my screen. Sure thing. Mm -hmm. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> what's the name of what's the name of the source so I can also pull it up on my end? Um it's Bothwell et al. Nature. Um 2022, resolving the gravitational redshift across a millimeter scale atomic sample. All right. Okay. Continue. While you get that up. Uh so yeah, we have been going for an hour and a half. Um what what would you guys say? Uh, how long? How much longer would you like to have your open discussion before we move into uh, interacting I'm fine with, with our the audience? Yeah, I'm fine with questions. Now. This exchange. I did what I wanted to do. So. So here okay. we have a. So here we have um, uh, supercooled optical clocks um, uh, that are separated by less than a meter and less than a millimeter and show um, a difference in their interference patterns um, between um, electron transitions. So here we have peer-reviewed observational evidence of a difference in um, uh, time characteristics um, for um, atoms at different gravitational potentials. Do you accept that that is what this paper describes? Do you assert that you are better able to review this result and critique it than the people who were asked to do it for the Journal of Nature? Is that relevant no. to this debate? Well, yes, it is. One second. Because you're about to assert, you're about to assert that this is nonsense and you've got nothing other than your say-so and you, oh. Oh, um, no. I repeat, have no qualifications to bring... James, to is he allowed to just say there, sit there and say what we're about to do before we've even like had a chance to say anything? That's just like, it's really edifying. Well, go ahead and go ahead and don't debate. refute it and concede well, the gravitational I don't want I don't. I don't want to interrupt you. You will get. Yeah, I was but say, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to respond. Yeah. So, no. If, if you ask for you know time to respond, I'll always give you time. So if you want a minute, I'll give it to you. Yeah. So the. So what do we got going on here again? We have an atomic clock. You said. Yes, we've got. Um, we've got um, atoms of supercooled strontium. We're looking at their. Um, we're looking at transitions between their um, uh, electron shells, and the populations involved. And we're using that as a measure of time, and we can show that the um, that if we move um, the um, if we start out with them at the same um, gravitational potential and then move one up, 
um, we get a difference in the um, transition gotcha. between so, the electron populations. Gotcha. So it retards a little differently. Yes. As, as you okay. So my explanation for this, because I came across this in GPS with atomic clocks and, and whatnot, right? So they have the they have a what they call the general relativity correction, and they follow they file that under the equal gra equal gravitational potential at altitude, right? So they say that the satellites are orbiting at like. Um, forget the altitude, but it's like a fixed altitude. So they say that the gravitational potential there is equal. So they have it synchronized to the same amount of retardation. Now, what I think the retardation is, right? Cause you guys think that's a gravitational time dilation relation, right? I think that it's as you increase in altitude, right? The electric gradient gets stronger and that causes more retardation within the clock. Now this is important because these measurements are so minuscule and, and small, like this is where this is going to affect that. So that's what that's my interpretation of what they're calling gravitational time dilation, right? It's just well, that's exactly what altitude. I thought. That's exactly what I predicted you would do, which is that you would make up have, something, have an actual zero qualifications and zero observational evidence, and well, just throw the paper out. Well, that's exactly I, you know, what I said was going no, to happen, and you no, gave no, no. me a hard time, and your your Once, mate there gave no. me a hard time for you. You know, you're saying we're going to do all these things, and then you went and did exactly what I said. Wow, no, what an assertion. I did not, I'm not throwing out the paper, right? I'm giving you my mechanical explanation for the retardation, it's, right? You are giving me a word salad with no observational validation. And this is the point that you keep on missing. You need observational validation. If you're going to assert that this is the case, my guess is that actually this experiment would, this experiment would have taken place inside a Faraday cage which is to say that the, um, the, the mechanical apparatus would have been, um, would have been made of metal um, that was designed to shield it from electromagnetic effects. So you're going to, you're going to have to tell me, you're going to have to tell me how this, um, how this minuscule um, change in, um, in potential um, well, is, go is, is going to have a perceptible effect and you're going to have yeah. to demonstrate it. You're going to have to do it in different um, gravitational so, potential gradients gotcha. and show you, me the same thing. Last minute and before you Q and done that. Did you say that this was done in a Faraday cage, or you, you think it was? I think it was done in a gra gravity cage. If you look at the, if Ooh. you look here at the, um, uh, the cavity, uh, it's made of silicon. Maybe that is in a Faraday cage. Well, in any case, um, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, well, we got thirty seconds, so uh, Daryl. Uh, Toby, do you have any other thoughts before we go I'll just into q in Real quick, like honestly, oh, yeah. Tony, I, I every time I go looking for uh, evidence of special or general relativity, I got led to GPS. Then I found out that that was actually proof of the Saniac effect and classical mechanics as opposed to special. It's like a, literally a debunk of special relativity. I got led to Pound Rebka, which doesn't align with special rel or with general relativity. I got led to like every time I get led to anything, it ends up or, or I got led to a Thomas procession, which That's invokes fine. a double Lorentz boost or Lorentz or, or you uh, don't understand scientific papers. You're just interrupting. The me one of these things is true. Don't interrupt. One of these things is true. One second, there, Tony. I Good want. Grief, man. I want so for anyway, the sake of our discussion. Well, can I there. finish my thought? I'm like literally trying to explain what my response here. All right, if you can do it with ten seconds, because I want to give the last word to Dan. I'm almost done. So oh. the Thomas procession. The last thing that, that the place I was told to go look for a special for uh, evidence of relativity. It invokes a Lorentz transform, which can't even be substantiated unless you can somehow magically pop out of the lab frame, which is reality, to substantiate it in the the. 
non-reality where, it, where it, uh, it actually did the Lorentz rotation or the double Lorentz boost. So every time that I actually go and investigate it, it ends up being a disproof. So I will look into this, but just looking at it from what I see so far, you know, I, I'm not super convinced, but I'll, I'll see when I look into it. All right. Uh, Daryl, uh, anything you want to say before we jump to Q&A? Yes. Um, it was a pleasure to be here. Uh, it was great being on the, on the board with Tony. And I just wanted to reiterate uh, the point that I wanted to show, which is what Tony showed again. Time and time again, I see these globe deniers, whether they call themselves flat earthers or concave earthers, or I'm just a global skeptic or whatever. Ten Apparently, times. there's this fad where they present scientific papers where they clearly have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea of even the basic mathematical understanding necessary to even that's realize tough. that they're making conclusions that's contrary to what the paper itself is saying. You know, if you understand Taylor expansion, you can look at the two papers and see why Nicholson goes up to, a, to a, such a high Taylor expansion. We are oh, at time. No, no, you're not muted, oh, oh, but we are at time, so uh, okay. that's okay. Uh, I, I try not to be too uh, right in the mic because uh, I want everybody to be able to hear you. So if you didn't hear me say that, okay. that's all fine. I'm going to close out our poll, everybody. Uh, so I had a poll that I opened up right at the beginning of the old debate, and uh, we have our results in. So it was bouncing back and forth hardcore for a long time, and a, a thousand of you guys voted in the live chat. So thanks for all the engagement in the poll. Why don't you hit the like button, all 1,000 of you that... That, uh, voted in that poll since uh, your thumbs are so active and you can do that. So uh, 46% voted a globe, 40% said flat and undecided, I will say, but I said a bag of bread, uh, old joke, uh, a bag of bread was 12%. So we'll just say they're undecided and we're going to keep figuring it out. 12% as we go through our super chat. So uh, once again, a uh, big thank you to the moderators and the live chat. Thank you guys for uh, keeping it civil and making sure that uh, everybody in the live chat knows that we want to attack the ideas, not the person. LJ coming in for $1.99 says, so NASA is the only government that doesn't lie. One minute there, Anthony and Daryl. We'll try um, yes, flat earthers lie. So we should we should um, we should stop listening to flat earthers. Everybody right. lies about something. The existence of liars does not make everything false. Um, and um, if you can show me where NASA actually de were deceptive in what they did, fine. Um, but that doesn't change the rest of the, the mountains and centuries of evidence we have relating to the shape of the Earth. Did you want to say and anything I, I to LJ? I'll off that as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, so going back to the discussion we had just now, I brought up that paper. And Alan said, oh, that came before what we just did. And the Tobu was like, no, it did come after. So where did Alan even get that from? Where, where, so so both mistake. of them said something different. It it is, is one, what did I've you read a lot apart from each other. I, I thought that that paper was before Wang because actually when you were pulling it up or like I was anxiously awaiting because I thought that it was uh, beforehand because I've already read so that. That means like, that we right, shouldn't listen already, to... No, I was, ahead, already aware, I was already aware of his uh, of how it's a second order, right? But I had my own interpretation of it and that might have been wrong and I'm glad that you He's done. that you I've pointed just... that out, bro. Like it's it's all good. Like it's not it's not a, a big deal. Um, I think it is, it is a big deal because I, I, he, I, he, I only he, found he, that he, I was he, debating y'all. I only found that I was second. debating y'all yesterday. I looked, mm -hmm. I looked over the course of that paper in a matter of like, because I still have to do homework for my classes and stuff. Probably spent mm -hmm. a total of two hours, and I understand it enough 
to point out how wrong you all were when y'all talk about all well, these hours y'all spent talking well, about it. That's a big deal. I think that's hey, a very big I, deal. Can I interject? And it goes back yeah, to what okay, was when, when, we're putting it over to Daryl. He's not answering the question. He's just like attacking Alan. Can I interject something about this? Because I have something really relevant. Go ahead. Alan actually did a presentation. Alan did a three-hour present or a two-hour presentation called "On the Orders of Measurement," where he went very into detail about first versus second order measurements and his opinion about this. So to try and talk like he doesn't know what he's talking about is absurd. All right, so this is their question. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to ask, I'd like See? to probe that. So you're saying that he talked about it for a long time, therefore he must know what he's talking about. Exactly. No, that's your syllogism. That gotcha. But it's like we've literally, he literally did no. a presentation called no. "On the Orders of Measurement." So to try and pretend like he can't have While his own opinion about what a first versus why that's um, a first order measurement or not. It's, it's you know it's a weird gotcha anyways right like it doesn't make the earth any more globular for you it doesn't make yeah, the ground it, beneath your feet moving any faster for you but it but it but what it does show is that you don't have a grasp of logic you're you're you keep on making these claims he right. talked well, to, he, he talked he three hours two different things Who cares if he has the... just one second there toby this is their question so uh we're gonna let okay. Aunt, uh, tony close it out here and then we'll move on all right i'm going to close it out I showed a, a, a you know a mariner's textbook from 1679 that shows that they were using um, spheroidal geometry to successfully navigate back then. What the hell has NASA got to do with the Earth being spheroidal? Nothing. Who said right. that? Let's move on to the next question, there, guys, uh, uh, and we'll try to, like I say, keep it to, uh, like I said, if it's asked for a specific side, then uh, you know naturally the floor is more in their direction so if questions are coming in for toby or alan the floor is going to be more yours it's it's just the way that this goes so i am sorry uh, uh but i think i've been pretty fair i think everybody's been muted at least once except for daryl because uh uh you know daryl's daryl's just Love you, brother. You're, you're just you're just great. Witsit gets it. Says tony does your model not claim motion you're ducking no what i'm suggesting is that the Evidence related to the shape of an object is different from the evidence related to the motion of a, su a subject. We could go into geostrophic flow and how that is absolutely impossible on a flat Earth. Um, we could go into um, Western boundary current intensification. Uh, we could go into um, Doppler shifts um, uh, of the um, of the wavelengths of incoming stars at different points at different times of the year. We could go into the abundant mountains of evidence we have for the motion of the Earth. But the reality is that the geometry of an object that we can measure, you know, you want to talk about Michelson and Morley, but we can measure distances on Earth. We can measure the changes in longitude. And if you're going to ignore the fact that, that uh, a given band of longitude does not increase in um, as you go further south, then all of a sudden you're going to require thousands of degrees of longitude um, rather than the 360 that are, that are known to exist. Any thoughts, Daryl, before we move on? For Whitsit? You got it. Okay. Thank you so much for your question there, Whitsit. And uh, we always appreciate having you he on here. You geocentrism. Cool. Oh my! Uh, let's. <laughs> these guys have been a pretty active bunch, right? So yeah. Once again, if you haven't hit the like button, what are you doing? And uh, just sitting there with your uh, your thumbs up. Your Wits it gets it asks hosting debate after show on Wits it gets it. So uh, for anybody who wants to head over there, Wits it's uh, putting that and making it known in our live chat. And once again, we appreciate everything you do, brother. So uh, 
you know, hanging out at Modern Day Debate, doing all the debates. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, cheers. November says, how how ships navigate hundreds of years prior to the globe? Um, well, they did it by, they, they had a variety of techniques. Um, there was a lot of coast hugging. The Vikings, for instance, used um, uh, basically angles to the um, angles to the sun um, uh, to navigate most of that. But um, the Vikings have, have been overestimated. A lot of their discoveries, for instance, the discovery of Greenland, was by accident. They were blown off course. They discovered Greenland. Traveling to Greenland, they got blown off course. They discovered Canada. Um, so um, you know they they didn't have spherical um, geometry, but um, they weren't traveling far enough. They weren't making transoceanic voyages at that point. Any other thoughts there, Daryl, before we move on? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, see. Uh, we've had a lot of questions from you, Witset, here. So let's get to another one here for the other side. Uh, Mark, everyone type motion so Globers can address it. What did you say? Said everyone type motion so the Globers can address it. Everyone type motion so the Globers can address it. I guess he wants okay. us to talk about how do we how do we know there's motion? He's trying to do a call out in a live chat, yeah. So if you guys want to take okay. a minute, I was okay. trying to find one for everybody or uh, at least Toby and Alan, but uh, we'll give you guys a minute here and then uh, I'll find one for you guys. Well, well I, think, I think that directly relates to the things I showed. Like I, I showed uh, images of the planets but how people get those images is that we we plotted where these planets are. So, for instance, you can use Kepler's laws, and we know how how long these planets take to re, to revolve. Uh, so, uh, looking at the planets, seeing where they are, seeing them going around us, modeled off a globe, uh, that 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 lets me know that 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 we're moving. You know. Any thoughts, uh, Tony, for the last forty seconds? Um. Yeah. Essentially, if you've got a a uh, high pressure um, air system or water system and a low pressure water system, the air should flow directly from one to the other. But that's not what you see. What you see instead is that you get wind going, flowing roughly parallel to the isobars rather than across them. This is caused by what's called geostrophic flow. Earth's rotating. Um, uh, the flat earthers will claim some magical um, ethereal effect that causes this on gross matter. Um, they've got no justification for um, claiming that, no observational experiments, um, uh, but it accords exactly with the predictions of um, Coriolis. All right. It also brings up uh, neutrinos, uh, talking about the Earth, because they have neutrino, de neutrino detectors that can detect neutrinos from the sun as we rotate around, you know, different sides of the Earth. So, I mean, there's many ways they... that we know that the Earth is, is moving stuff. So. Let's let Toby inter interact here because uh, we don't have as many questions for Toby and Alan. So uh, go ahead, Toby. Yeah, how do you know the neutrino came from the sun when they say that cosmic rays come from literally every possible source in the sky? I'm going to investigate well, uh, in detail. I, I did ask my professor that, but she basically told, told me it was uh, basically the process that the uh, calculator to understand is going on in the middle of the sun. I don't know the detail. Yeah, you know they use neutrino detection we have no for random number the... generation? So the they use neutrino generation for random know. number generation. They've never been able to uh, properly model it. So the um, so if I point a neutrino detector at the sun while the sun is above the horizon, and I get a certain signal from it, and then I continue pointing it at the track that the sun should be following, 
um, as it passes below the horizon and I continue to get neutrino um, detections from it. Why are you asserting that the sun that the sun is not um, being tracked by the neutrino detector? At what point does the neutrino source pass underground um, while the sun doesn't? In your thought experiment, if we were to do that together, it's not a we thought experiment. It's that? an observation, sir. Okay, which one? It's not a neutrino detection of the which sun. Which observation are you? Give me a reference, please. I, I can clarify for him, Tony. This, this is what Tony's saying. He's saying if you point a detector at, at, at the sun. And you yeah, I understood. And I was trying to sun. actually entertain One that second, thought, but he interrupted me when I tried to. And I'm sorry that I interrupted you, Toby, but we're we're in three uh, interruptions here. So sorry, Daryl. Uh, finish your thought there, if you don't mind. Yes. So what, what he's trying to say is if, when you point the detector at the sun and keep it pointed at the sun, you can follow it. So I, I thought you was asking me, like, how do you, how do you no neutrinos are coming from the sun. Like, what's the process? But that's what, it, what you're talking about. You just keep it pointed at the sun and you follow the sun. Like, there's not a point where there's a disconnect where suddenly it breaks exactly. off and then it could be from something else. That, that's so your assertion that the neutrinos are definitely coming from the sun is where I'm saying there's a problem, right? Like, maybe, maybe if you point it at the sun, maybe you get more neutrinos, sure. But based on the randomness of neutrino detection, I'm telling you, you have no way to, to, um, to differentiate between whether or not it's coming from the sun or not, based on what I understand about neutrinos. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but you are, you are making a baseless let's assertion. Let's calculations, Tony. There's a whiteboard here. Show us those calculations of the randomness that where where you can't where you can't. I can pull. It out. Oh, can I? Oh yeah, if I can share my screen, I've got a bunch of papers on that. No, no. Show us the calculate because I already, I already no, showed it, that. It's you not a simple calculation. They actually use super. Show me the calculations problems. themselves. Don't, well, don't they, bring I, enough. I would have paper. to get into the source code of their of their uh, neural networks, right? No, because no. they actually so you don't use understand computer. the calculations. No, so I can show you the that. papers and all my highlights right now. You don't understand. Right, you can papers. share screen. I that earlier. Let's do. You don't have minutes. to understand to understand these papers. You're, you're more up. gaslighting. You know, that's well, literally all you've brought to this conversation is a bunch of gaslighting. All right, without getting into the meta, because we don't want to go into meta debate. Let's. If you got something you want to share, we'll give you guys three minutes to. Uh, wrap up thoughts on this one you lucky super chatter you're getting so much more out of your question than uh, the first couple here uh but yeah just because we had only a few here so far for toby and alan so if you want to do a screen share we'll give you three minutes to have some fun with this one guys oh wait i'm in the wrong what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. My bad. I shared early. Uh... Oh, no. Here we go. Never want to share early. Uh, so let's see, we've got overview of the Earth's little picture. Good, da, da, da. shoot. Shoot, I must have them in their own folder somewhere. Mm. 
Okay, if you want to take a minute to find that. Sure, yeah, let me find yeah. it, and then I'll pull the paper up. My bad. Yeah, we'll return to that. Let's get to, let's ask the next question here, and then we'll let you pull us back here in just a second. So uh, thanks once again for everybody who has asked a question. Uh, we'll continue on with the Super Chats while Toby uh, gets it up. And once we're finished with uh, the next Super Chat, Toby, uh, just pull us back full circle, uh, if you don't mind, buddy. Uh, so LJ coming in uh, says, why doesn't the Earth spin under a hovering helicopter? Um, well, the, uh, it doesn't spin relative to the atmosphere under a hovering helicopter. So the atmosphere is rotating um, roughly in phase um, with Earth's surface. So um, you don't expect any motion between the helicopter and Earth's surface um, because the atmosphere is rotating at approximately the same rate. All right. Are you ready over there, Toby, with uh, your screen? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will go back to what we were just discussing, and thank you so much, Tony, for answering the question. Uh, there. So yeah, here's one paper. Ioniz oh, sorry. So ionization of the Earth's atmosphere by solar and galactic cosmic rays, and they're talking about how they use uh, new methodology, calibrated direct observations, but they use a uh, numerical models, and then ionization of the atmosphere comparison between measurements and simulations. Simulations. Some discrepancies are found between actual measurements. What do you know? What's this got to do with solar neutrinos? Showing that they uh, they compute the whole thing, and it's every time These that they try to... These are cosmic ray calculations. What's that? I was thinking as well. These are cosmic ray calculations. They're yeah, that's what I'm showing. They're not solar neutrino observations. Cosmic, so so neutrinos, well. you're trying to tell me neutrinos not related to a cosmic ray? Um. Yes. The vast majority of cosmic rays are extremely energetic particles, um, uh, not neutrinos. As for I'm instance, the, sure for instance, for in, well, then you're an idiot. So, so the spallation, the carbon that, fourteen, well, for instance, my real point 14, was that they use them for random number okay, generation. Carbon fourteen, carbon fourteen is created by spallation of um, oxygen and nitrogen in the atmosphere by incoming cosmic rays. Neutrinos don't do that. In fact, there's an array of cosmogenic isotopes that are produced by cosmic ray um, uh, uh, impacts, with, where neutrinos pass through matter. Can you see the distinction between the two? Well, hello. And this goes back to what I was saying. I wasn't trying to gas like y'all. I was pointing out the fact that y'all don't understand these papers that you're reading. So, I mean, it's, it does no good to bring them up anymore. And that goes with every single flat earth that I've seen so far. None of them understand the papers they bring up or the math behind them. What did I not? About. What did I not understand? You're saying that I had a misunderstanding of these videos, which I still now. don't think you're necessarily right about. Uh, so, like. Does that your is that the only thing that you're ranting on about right now is my potential misunderstanding of neutrinos? One That's the only thing that matters. Neutrinos <laughs> are not cosmic <laughs> rays, mate. You're you're, you're trying to talk to about rays. neutrinos and you're showing us stuff about cosmic rays and they're not the same thing. Yeah, so I wasn't gaslighting you. I was just stating a fact. So, you know, you just basically just proved my point for me, but. You know, we could keep doing it. Uh. <laughs> All right. This might be a good time to move on. If you don't mind, I'm going to end this screen share. 
And let's ask the next question and uh, keep interacting with the audience to keep the conversation rolling. And uh, once again, thank you to everybody who has Your contributed. are expected at some level in association with cosmic rays. What do you know? Huh. Yes, right. some cosmic rays are neutrinos. The vast majority, however, are not. That's like saying that um, all... Uh, that's like saying that all... Um, all people are male. Um, it's just not true. Or all people are children, um, because the subset you are. You, this is a this is another logical fallacy. You are trying to relate solar neutrinos, the the observations of solar neutrinos, to cosmic rays, They're and you're looking random. at the properties of cosmic rays, which include stuff other than neutrinos. They can't they can't properly simulate any of them. They're all random. They're all literally like you could literally use any of them for a random number generator. Um, so Last what? Word. Okay, I know let's carry on there, guys, because uh, we're a little over time on that question. And uh, yeah, don't, when I'm doing housekeeping, don't interrupt me. My goodness, you'll throw off my groove. You don't want to throw off the emperor's groove. I'm just making a reference for all the 90s children. All right. <laughs> Unconditional Truth says, can Toby and and or Alan, explain how GPS falsifies relativity and therefore heliocentrism in general doesn't the current globe model require relativity? We'll give you guys a minute and 30 there each. Yeah. Or not each, sorry, so, yeah, a minute and 30. Uh, yeah. Atomic clock synchronization, the way that it actually works, falsifies special relativity because the way that the atomic clocks are situated in free fall around the Earth, they shouldn't be retarding proportional to their own velocity. So not even ca not counting, keeping it, keeping the clock in sync with other clocks, just maintaining the oscillation rate of the atomic clock itself. It has to account for its own velocity, which they say, you know, it's in a free fall orbit. Therefore it's a local inertial frame. So, you know, the speed of light should be the same. It shouldn't, the especially the one-way speed, it shouldn't change. So its own velocity should not cause any retardation in the oscillation rate so that it can keep time. Now, what's interesting about that is that, okay, so it's free falling around earth. It's got a proportional velocity, um, correction that it has to make for its own velocity, right? But as it's free falling around the Earth, it would be parallel and Five perpendicular seconds. to the planes of motion. Like so, the 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 orbit of the Earth around the Sun, the Sun with respect to the the center of the galaxy, the galaxy moving with That's respect tough. to the cosmic microwave background. All these velocity components are never show up in any of the clock corrections. So if the atomic clocks and GPS are proof of anything, it's that the Earth is geocentric. Okay, you got thirty can seconds you, left there, Toby. Can, can, you, uh, just can, add he on provide, can he provide a single scientific reference for what he just said? Yeah, Paul Marme and all atomic clock synchronization standards. This is their question, um, Tony. Bring so, it up. So uh, the Live last, right now? Okay. The last 38 seconds. Uh, okay. We'll go, Jesus Christ, dude. We'll Let's go do down it. there. But 30, last 38 seconds to you, Toby, uh, before we bring that up. Apparently, we're coming full circle. So go ahead. Yeah, so the whole thing goes back to, you know, measuring the motion of the Earth, right? We tried to measure the motion of the Earth using the uh, using interferometry, which is the quote-unquote speed of light or electromagnetic propagation. And then when we didn't measure any motion, they said, oh, well, that's because of relativity. The apparatus shrunk in relation to the sun, and you couldn't actually measure it. Well, and they say that the speed of light is constant. So that's why you could, you could never even measure a proportional velocity using the speed of light. But it turns out when you look under the hood of GPS and range, range measurement equations, that whole equation accounts for proportional velocity in it. So the equation itself violates and, you know, basically debunks special that's relativity. Done. This is, we've known about this since the 90s with Ron Hatch. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's All go right. down the rabbit All hole, right. fellas.
All right. Well, so we'll start off here with. Is this a paper? Are, are yes. you showing the, me a scientific the, the, paper? The, yes. These are these are clips of papers that I put into. These a are clips. That show me the paper. You you want the? Oh Jesus Christ, dude! You want the exact ones? Each one. Yes, I want the exact paper. Listen, okay, dude. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna show you. And also, I want Listen, you to show guy. me where right, in that paper it Listen. says this disproves special relativity, because what you're doing is you're cherry picking stuff out of papers and you're saying. This means that special relativity oh, hey, isn't hey, Ryan, right. Can you let's, use that's let's, not how science works. All right, we will we will let you respond there, Alan. And let's let's try to keep the right. discourse up so, here. Not so. This down is here, how guys. we're going to do this, so we can move through this quickly. Now, I'll give you all the citations, so you could look them up on your own time. But for the audience's sake, what we're going to do is we're going to look through clips of these. If you want to call it cherry picking and all that, that's cool. Totally fine with it. You can go back and read it on your own time. So this is a paper from 2005, the interpretation of special relativity applied to the local central inertial frame, blah, 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 right? So what he's going through here is he's talking about how there's these different planes of motions that would be that would show up in the atomic clock corrections if they existed, right? So what we have here are some diagrams that he puts forward. So as the satellites are orbiting around the Earth, they're going to be parallel and perpendicular to these planes of motion. So that, that would require, if you follow Galilean velocity addition, this is what this guy is saying, like, oh, you're just making shit up. This is what he's saying, that these velocity corrections would have to be applied to the atomic clock for it to keep time, but they don't. They don't exist. They've never been well, measured in interference. That's, that's spurious he's noise. Seconds. He's got 10 seconds Please, left. before you shit the bed, bro, just give me one second. You got 10 seconds. All right. So here we have more GPS references. This is other people noticing in their careers that, hey, how come none of these atomic clocks have to uh have to account for this 30 kilometer velocity or anything like that. Okay. Now, if you want all these references, I will gladly give them to you. Okay. Okay. You aren't screen sharing. We're, tra we're, we're trying now? to move on. For sure. Uh, but you're not screen sharing right now, uh, Alan, if you have meant to be. Okay. Oh, for fuck's sake. No. <laughs> My bad. So, I, thought, I thought I was screen sharing the whole time. My bad. Oh, so just to, look just to respond like... to that, just to respond yeah, to that, those velocities should only show up in the clock correction if Earth is not sharing them or they're not sharing those motions with one another. If the entire system is moving with that velocity, there's no way that um that can um that they can detect that velocity. That would be a violation of the very fundamentals of relativity. You can't detect um your velocity um just by looking inside the system. Um, and as for Galilean addition of, of um reference frames, that's not how relativity works either. So you're claiming so you're claiming to um falsify um relativity. Um, by completely ignoring um, uh, what relativity is. Um, you know, again, this gets back to you need to be qualified to read and understand a scientific paper. If you aren't, you're going to take stuff that's mentioned in a paper and you're going to be wrong about it. Um, and it, it, it baffles me that you don't Five accept seconds. that this is the case. Next time I do a debate, I'm going to put a little gaslighting counter like right here. I'm just going to ding it every time we get gaslit. All right. Let's and that assumes that this again assumes this is this is all based on an assertion. The assertion is not only are these guys qualified to comment on scientific papers, they're qualified to comment on whether or not somebody else citing papers is gaslighting. Okay. They have asserted themselves Five as seconds. arbiters of science. It's unfounded. Okay. The question was for you guys. So uh, you want to close us out there, Alan, we'll carry on.
I don't even remember what the question was. It's about what GPS, it? right? We're still on GPS. <laughs> yes, we were talking about uh, can both Alan uh, and Toby um, give a few reasons. Yeah, go ahead. Can yeah. I say one more thing on GPS? Like Albert Einstein's clock synchronization, he invoked it in the 1905 on electrodynamics and moving bodies, and that he invokes clock synchronization as his only way to get away from absolute time. And then when they actually went to go start setting up GPS crafts later on down the road, all the clocks started going out of sync with each other. And it's like, holy cow, Einstein, what are we going to do? You told us all these reference frames were equal. And then they had to go back and sync all those clocks. They have to sync them all back to sidereal time. And get, they do that through the you know uh, range measurement equations, which rely on proportional velocity and the speed of light. And if you take out that proportional velocity, you actually end up not being able to detect where people are. And if you take out the one-way velocity, the uh, isotropic or anisotropic effect of light with the one-way preferred directionality, you're off by 30, 40 meters. So both of those things utterly violate violate Albert Einstein, 1905 special relativity and everything after that. It's just a bunch of ad hoc nonsense. Have you, have you written any GPS um, code? No, I've looked at the, uh, the 1980 and 1990 uh, documents for the IEEE. And I looked at the Paul Marmay paper where he actually goes through the math from the IEEE and, sh and shows the references from the IEEE. And also we've already of, established uh, that you reading papers is irrelevant because you don't understand you're interrupting the problem. Me to gaslight me again. Um, the, I hate to get meta. About I it, work so with people. I work with people who have written their own GPS. If you're going to interrupt code, me, mate. have something substantive to say. Don't just right. gaslight me. It looks really bad. Let's move um, on, guys. Question. Guys, guys, we can keep can going down. We... Before we leave this topic, okay. We're Ryan? all right. If as long as you can pull us back in, because we're spiraling right now. It would be a short one. You told me, Alan, when you're talking about these GPS and the satellites that do it, uh, which one of these reference frames would be proper time? Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right. That means you have no idea of special relativity. You don't know what you're talking about. We could we could keep going. Let's go. No, they have to do it on the back end at the reception time. They do it on the back end with when they do the uh, the range measurement equation, and everything goes through. Uh, everything goes through the global That's coordinate fine. system, and there's actually like no, when, they, when they One they actually time. even tried to do Last really quick, really story. relevant. They tried to do a uh, an analysis of global coordinate system uh, result of, of GPS, and when the the people that did the analysis, the the datum that they got, the data set that they got, had That's already time. been run through these corrections, and they they were able to tell just looking at the data set that hey, this is already corrected. We don't actually have raw GPS data, so every time that GPS gets invoked or used, it goes through that transform to the GPS. We have I, to I, move I, on. I need to I'm... I need to respond to that because actually if you do <laughs> if you do your own GPS the the um if you do he's talking about commercial GPS systems that rely on the positions of the satellites that are transmitted by the satellites this is not how the the high precision um GPS solutions actually treat the actually treat the satellite positions as unknown and they solve for the satellite positions and for the orbited perturbations um, that are going to fit. So they don't assume a terrestrial um, reference frame. And um, I don't know what he's talking about because so I've, I've, worked with the, I've worked with document. the I've worked with the people who do this. And um, they may have, there may be an individual study with a flaw Five seconds, um, that they have detected, but um, that's not how GPS. But you don't have a citation, okay. and it's definitely not going right, to be engineering standards. We got to move on before.
before we start dishing out the old mutesy poos because uh, I don't like doing that. And uh, we do have so many questions and I want to be able to engage with these. Uh, well, the people that have been listening to you guys have this discussion. They've got a lot of thoughts. So uh, keep them coming in, guys, if you got more thoughts as these guys keep discussing. But uh, we are going to try to move it along uh, because if not, we'll be here all night. So Free Free Palestine says, the Greek knew Earth is flat and non-rotating. Uh, the Antikythera mechanism, a.k.a. the Flat Earth model, it's a zodiac system glow model can't predict. All right. And that's one minute for that's you nonsense from beginning to end. I, the, um, the Greeks developed spherical trigonometry. Menelaus's theorem was developed um, uh, and written down. Um, the, this was how they solved a number of problems. In particular, it was um, one of the ways they were, they were able to calculate from the maximum length of day what latitude you were at. This is the calculation that flat earthers simply can't do. The Antikythera mechanism is not a flat earth mechanism. It's a um, simple cyclic machine. Um, actually, the flat earthers often claim Soros cycles can be used to predict um, eclipses. That's not entirely true. Every Soros series um, begins and then it carries on at Soros intervals, but then it stops. So you can only use the Soros cycles for a Soros series that is also that has already started. You can't use it to predict when a new series will begin or when that series will end. Okay. Uh, any thoughts over there, Daryl, for the last 15 seconds right. before we move on? May I hear that question one more time, please? The question was, the Greeks knew... I'll give you 30. The Greeks knew Earth is flat and non-rotating. The Anakathera mechanism, a.k.a. the Earth, the flat Earth model, is a zodiac system... Globe model can't predict. I'll give you thirty. Yeah, I just I guess up to that I would just say I, I spoke to a flat earther that talked about the antikythera mechanism and I asked him to demonstrate it and he do do one of the deceptive things flat earthers do is just change the subject and run from it. So why don't they demonstrate it? Like Tony is saying, show some evidence for this stuff. Sorry if I'm making a face. I I I was just trying to verify if I hear children laughing in the back or, background or if that's crying. I'm like, is my kid crying right now? No, he's fine. They're they're laughing even though they're not supposed to be up because it's eleven o'clock uh, in Nova Scotia. So I think we're gonna have to kick their butts after this. Uh, after we close out, they're supposed to be sleeping. Um, what's it? Gibson says, why do you think you just get to scream over them? Well, what's it? I don't think I've been that loud. I haven't been screaming over anybody. But if you want to hear me scream. You know what? I'm going to. I did a demo earlier today and I got the file. I'm going to put it into my OBS right quick. You want to hear me scream? Here you go. I wrote, I, we wrote a song about hubris and uh, it's called Greed. So I'm just going to pop into my OBS and you can hear the demo that I recorded today. You want to hear somebody screaming. All right. Earth is Life asks Toby So when flat earthers make videos claiming they see too far, like Kanagu uh, laser tests, etc., what do they use to measure the distance? These optics and they zoom in, and that's you know, it's I don't know, like maybe I, I think maybe he, what he's trying to get at is what I was talking about with angular resolution. Um, so the thing is, right, I'm talking about optics in relation to my point in space, and that would be relative to my lenses, my eyes. Uh, but if I was then to pull out a telescope, 
I am now changing my resolution. And that's why when you use a telescope and when you zoom in on something, you actually lose area around it. So this is actually a perfect explanation for how it works with things converging into the distance and things uh, appearing to drop off over, a cur you know, drop off. And they, they don't actually curve away. You never could see a curve because it would be going away from you. What you actually see is the convergence of the sky and the ground and uh, the uh, basically the limit in, uh, imposed by the Rayleigh criterion of those two <laughs> uh, those two objects merging into each other. Uh, and so, but there's, you know, you have a, a intense angular limit there. Um, thoughts there, Alan, before we move on. Yeah, I agree with what to uh, Toby said. Okay. Can I clarify the question on oh. behalf of the questioner, please, please, Ryan? Because it sounds like the questioner was asking, like, if they have the, the like, they brought up the black swan, whatever you're doing with the experiment, they're asking, how do you measure the distance to the other side of the water? How do you measure the distance to the oil rig? How, they're asking, how do you get the distance between where you shoot the laser and the other side? Well, so if the convergence of things in the distance was caused by Earth curvature, right, then you wouldn't be able to bring them back into view by zooming in on them with a more higher, uh, with a higher uh, zoom optic, would you? No, 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 no. In other words, like, like you say the oil rig is 10 miles away or whatever. How are you getting that distance is what they're asking. Last word, Toby. Uh, how am I getting what distance? You would never use like, optics like to measure. You would never get a distance 10 miles away using optics. That's literally violates the way you're supposed to use a theodolite. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. So, Maybe you don't so understand you set the question. Up the experiment. The, 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 no, the laser it's... is here, and the other side of the lake is a mile away, or whatever. How are you getting the distance to the other side when you put it when you do the calculations? It is literally asking just how are you measuring the distance on Earth between the two locations? I have no idea the cartographer, the cartographer, uh, how the cartographer measured that lake. All right. Next one. Okay. Unconditional truth. Can Toby and Alan each list their favorite experiments involving a laser in an interferometry? I can't say Interferometer. Thank interferometry. you. That, interferometry. Interferometry. Yeah. Thank interference you. Interference-ometer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like to foreign prune. <laughs> and say what the implications tell us about current globe dogma. Gee, yeah. a word I so, can't say. How about that? <laughs> So the implication with that is that the speed of light is not the same uh, in an inertial frame, right? Because we're told that the Sagnac effect is due to the rotation of the device. Therefore, there's a time displacement, you know, with an observer being stationary on the at the center of the device or whatever, right? But what the foreign pruner did is they had the device configured such that it would reflect back on the lab wall, right? So, and that, that's where the source was too. So they took the friend shift readings from that, from a rotating platform that was just essentially like free rotating. And the, you know, so the, the, where the recorder is determines if, you know, if it's an inertial frame or non-inertial, right? So if it's attached to the device, they would say it's a non-inertial frame, therefore special relativity doesn't apply, blah, 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 right? Or, or you know, uh, the inertial frame doesn't apply, no. right? But they had, so they had it fixed, they had it fixed to the lab wall. So from that, you know, it's an inertial frame, right? So... Okay, next it, one. It, it shows a fr shut up. It shows a friendship and it's proportional to the rotation of the device. Do I, do, I get the you, do you not know what an inertial frame is? No, I have no idea. <laughs> so okay. you, would you care to explain to me what an inertial frame is? Because you seem to think that Earth fixed wants us to play games. Inertial frames I mean, are God, the same buddy. thing. Okay, dude. So an inertial frame would be stationary, non-rotating, right? Or or uniform. No. Okay. Let, let, next question. 
Yeah, that one was for you. I don't know what I'm I'm not going to get interrupted mid fucking sentence, bro. So you can shit the bed. Just one second, Alan. Like I said, we're going to try to keep it up here if we can. Uh, I know it can get tough sometimes when uh, when we're getting heated. But uh, let's. Would the other guy like to tell me what an inertial reference frame is? No, I wanted to answer the question that was posed by the super chatter that they paid money to hear an answer to. Yeah. Do you want me to repeat the question there, Toby? No, so Deform Prunier, uh, so with Mickelson, Gale, Pearson, they say that they're able to measure the rotation of the Earth because they're using a, a closed loop. And then the only way that they can get away from explain. remember when I brought up 2004 uh, Ruyang Wang with the one-way direct, uh, the linear motion being measured in the fringe shift, the only way they can even try, they can try to invoke a Lorentz transform with that, or one of the ways that they do it, is to try and say that it's because it's a closed loop. You can't that that doesn't you know that somehow it's a special a special rule for for relativity closed loops you can have the speed of light not I'm be sorry. constant in the closed loop but what they did with Dufour and Prunier is they actually they uh, they reflected the light out of the interferometer to like Alan was saying it was actually mounted to the wall and they measured the fringe shift on it's the wall tough. so it's outside of the rotating reference frame it's got nothing to do with the closed loop and the speed of light is still not constant even when you come outside of that closed loop. All right. Next one. Uh, sorry. Now we're having a shift here. Uh, uh, Tony and Daryl, uh, a lot of questions for uh, Toby and Alan. How can you claim what Good. the shape of the earth is when you don't have an understanding of basic grade eight math or science? Oh, that one kind of got nasty at the end there. But um, yeah, we, 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 we do try to read them. Uh, no, people get upset with me when I don't. And I, I apologize yeah. to those people that I don't read your chat. Yeah. So let's see. What was the question? How can we claim what the earth is if we're retarded? Well, I guess we can't. Good, good question. <laughs> Any other? I can actually ask something to that if because that was such a short answer, uh, and and that's part of the point I was making. You know, I, I watch almost every flat Earth debate that that you all have on MBD, and every single one that comes on is just the surface level talking <laughs> as if they understand. When even just the basic level of math and science shows shows that they don't, and that's why so that's why the surface. people who going to flatter usually they have no education they haven't this one was for them i'm sorry the people who don't understand it are talking to the people who don't as well and they all think it makes sense did you have anything you did this sound like surface level to the audience dude i'm so glad you were able to come gaslight us on our question that's super cool of you daryl much appreciated bro let's carry on uh unconditional truth says uh, in case anyone missed it can alan and toby please re-explain how long to latitude lines were determined on the globe model and why they do not prove sphericity it's just all based on celestial obs- uh, observations everything's using angles and celestial observations and uh yeah i mean it was uh, it was a king's decree back in i don't know like 1760 something i uh, 1776. So, yeah, that's. I think I've heard a different number too. But the uh, the idea being that essentially they just mapped a globe from the sky, and you know, unless we could actually go out and verify distances using something like Wang's speedometer, which would measure absolute motion, uh, then you know we really can't say what the map should actually look like because what we have the AE projection is flawed because you're taking uh, what they did was they mapped the world to a globe using centuries of data. And then they now with the AE model is so you've made you've taken a flat surface and you've mapped it to a globe. So now when you pull it back out and you do that, the uh, just that automated transform, you actually you actually have a skewed model. It's not necessarily going to line up with what you know, what if you were to actually make the map using the sky on a flat earth, you'd have a different you'd have something that will look quite a bit different. But of course, it's not so easy to go map the whole world, especially the southern seas. Okay. well, we did it. Why can't you? 
because I don't have centuries and a king's decree to do it. All right. Well, apparently, we're going to try thousands to, of years. We're going to try to carry on and keep it to the side that has the question because we have a lot of questions. Uh, okay. And if we keep the back and forth. So we're going to try to address the people uh, who are asking the questions and uh, uh, try not to pull the other speakers in because I know it's you know, easy to make reference. So uh, medical mass media says the Kraken strikes again. Demonstride says to join the Discord after uh, for the after show at Discord dot gg slash demonstride. So there's another after show going on in the Discord. So check that out if you haven't. And Unconditional Truth says, can both Alan and Toby give a few reasons why they do not trust NASA? Do they think government institutions have uh, have as a record of being honest. We'll give you guys a minute on the floor, Alan and Togi. Go ahead, yes. Alan. I don't give a shit about NASA questions, bro. I'll go. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm kind of on the same page as Alan, honestly, because for me, it's like I look at the Apollo 17 launch. That's all I really needed. Like, even way before I was a flat earther, I was uh, quite skeptical of moon landing because of how uh basically when you start to see how many times they've deceived you about things in outer space you really have to start questioning outer space the fact that they don't put clear cgi water or watermarks on all of their cgi footage i find insanely unscientific and insanely alarming that's just a really minor thing but if you go and look you can see them messing with harnesses you can see bubbles you can see flies a bunch of stuff that shows that they're staging all of this uh and the hair doesn't make sense um, but so regarding the government, yeah, I mean, you look at, I'm not going to get specific, but the last, you know, however many years, it's been kind of crazy, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of skepticism of all of the uh, major governments of the world. And then it's weird, like we're in this war with Russia, but we'll go up to the ISS and we're not going to fight up there. We're going to go to Antarctica and we're not going to fight down there. Hmm. All right. LJ coming in. This one for you, Tony and Daryl. He says, rest in peace to the spinning space ball with curved seawater fantasy. How do we detect airport moving sidewalks, but not 1,000 miles per hour spinning Earth below us? You want to start us out there, Daryl? I could get that one, that one Tony. Uh, Go ahead. One minute. So, uh, so the, the way it works is we're, we're sitting on the Earth right now or standing on the Earth right now, spinning with the Earth. Uh, so if you jump up in the air... Is, is not going to suddenly run away from you. Similarly, if you're on a, on a public transportation bus and the bus is moving and you like take a step or something, the bus doesn't just suddenly leave you. So I think this, this has been covered so many times. It's, 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 it's amazing that uh, this is still being asked. Yeah, because people want to know, like, how could I actually measure the motion, right? Like, we can't feel it. We can't see it. Helicopters don't account for it. Planes don't account for it. Missiles don't account for it. Literally nothing accounts for it. So we're wondering, like, how can we measure it? If you're going to tell me it's moving at, you know, 66,000 kilometers a second or, or, or what is it, 30 kilometers a second, it's like, come on, man. Like, I, I would like to know how you, I could substantiate that. And I haven't Sorry, been given So how, how have you determined that all of these things don't account for it, like? You're trying to get me to, uh, like, you have to be specific, man. Which things? How do you, how have you determined that these things don't account for it? What you, things? You gave a list of things. You're repeating yourself. The things what you listed. Things? The, things the things that things I listed, listed regarding. Okay. Uh, okay. We, can, we can move on. If you, if you don't understand, if you can't remember what you said, just 
10 seconds ago. I, it seems like you're just running from the question. As far as there's no need to do, we, we can just move More on. More gaslighting. Right. Man, I needed to do oh, it. I thought that this was it. our question, mate. Why the hell are you talking? All right. Oh, uh, you um, waited for James uh, to come back to complain. So the, so the whole... Uh, the whole Coming in, um, everybody's talking. So let's... Let, the, yeah, um, the human vestibular system has a limited observational accuracy. The accelerations that humans... Um, uh, that humans experience as a result of Earth's rotation, Earth rotating around, Earth orbiting um, the sun or the sun's motion through the galaxy are vastly below the threshold to be detected by our vestibular system. Um, as I mentioned earlier, one of the central premises of relativity is that you can't tell that you're in motion internal to the system. You can only tell that you're in motion relative to something else by looking at the something else. Ah, so then we would have an, a kinematic equivalence. And Why are you talking? Would be just as correct. This as, is our question, so right? Pause, and I was trying to respond to you in a conversational. You can't. Okay, you I'm can't. Sorry, you, we do we're have to not move allowed on. to. At this point, you we just do have to move it. on. Uh, you know, like, yeah, I'm trying to trying to make sure because, like, I know everybody's gonna just be like, oh yeah, we're fine to stay because everybody else is fine to stay. But really, you know, you're gonna be thankful, like I say, if we can wrap this up in in fair time. Uh, we do want to, like I say, get some meat on the question. So, uh, let me just scroll back up here. And we're going to get a question for the other side. So uh, make sure, if you haven't already, hit the like button. Once again, we really appreciate it. Boost us up in the algorithm. Uh, next one coming in. Uh, Unconditional Truth says, oh, we already read that one. Mr. E-Man says, can Toby please explain how a model that does not exist, that has never been presented, and has absolutely no observational evidence to support it, be strawmanned? This one's just for you. One minute. Uh, I guess I would have to know like what that's specific, particularly in reference to. I'm assuming he's talking about sometime earlier in the debate when I was accusing someone of doing a straw man. So I don't know. I'd have to kind of know what specifically that was about. Uh, but, you know, I may not be making I may not have a full model to be bringing forward. What I am bringing forward is just clear evidence that one, there's no curvature two, there's no motion. And three, all of our understanding of geophysics is utterly flawed and based on a bunch of ad hoc understandings of things that are, you know, based on assertions about things that happened billions of years ago that we could never possibly substantiate and actually have been shown to be utterly false in numerous ways over the years. But we just ignore them and sweep them under the rug, you know, like carbon dating, radiological dating. Yeah. All right. Magneto striping on the ocean floor. Let's carry on from there. And thank you so much uh, for your super chat and uh, Toby for answering. Uh, so let's carry on. Um, somebody asked, can you, uh, they said, can you lower Tony's mic level? Too much rage. Well, you know what? We get excited sometimes during the debates. Uh, I do want to read all the super chats, but try to keep them friendly and uh, actually relevant. Uh, Unconditional Truth says, Toby and Alan, how do appeals to authority, appeal to credentials, and appeal to majority fallacies play into the acceptance of the current globe religion? I'm going to put well, the cadence on there. There's no punctuation much. Yeah, so... If you're not allowed to question anything or figure things out for yourself and you could just be gaslit into you don't have the credentials to look at it or whatever, then that's what maintains, you know, the, the glob essentially, right? Because as we went through earlier, we went through interferometry. We talked about uh, a fourth, the fourth order, the fourth order, order interpretation of something when there's literally it's measuring a first order effect of motion, right? That doesn't exist in their model. And they're just like, nah, don't care. Totally still believe in that it's moving. So you know, you can just gaslight your way into anything, really. All right. Any uh, thoughts? Comment on this topic? 
Ryan, uh, I'm sorry, Daryl. We gotta try to move on, but the next one we get for you guys, yeah, we'll give the floor real, right to real quick. Over I, you, Toby. Can I inter- can I respond to it? Or? This one's for you guys, so go ahead, Toby. Uh, okay. Wait, should I go now? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So I would just say, uh, you know, it's a perfect system that they've got set up. You've got high priests that have the math that you're not allowed to understand. And then they're going to tell you that you're too dumb to know it. And that's a perfect control mechanism. It's literally like these, they have their own documents that they say that they're too, too complicated for us to look at. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Wits it gets it. I don't know uh, what your interactions have been with uh, Wits it gets it, Tony, but he has accused you of interrupting the entire debate. And he's asking you why. Did you want to say anything to Wits it, uh, who's on here often debating this subject? Uh, did you want to carry on? Uh, well, Witsit um, actually makes it a point to interrupt every se- every other sentence that somebody says with some sort of fallacy that he doesn't understand. But also, I just object to being lied to. And if somebody presents, if somebody starts with a premise that I know to be false, they cannot have a valid argument. So if they say something that I know for a fact is false, I want to stop them there because the rest of what they're going to say is invalid because they've started with a falsehood. And in in particular, the central falsehood here is that Toby um, uh, and Alan assert with no evidence whatsoever that they have the credentials to properly understand the scientific literature. This is what exams are all about. And, you know, they can talk about it as though it's gatekeeping. They can talk about it as though it's some sort of oppressive measure. What it is, is some attempt to keep science grounded in observational reality. Um, and this is the Five thing seconds. that they, they've, this is the thing that they've missed. Um, they, they keep on talking about stuff for which there is absolutely no Time. observational re- uh, validation, such as the ether. They mention it over and over again. Absolutely no evidence it exists. All right. Thank you so much, Tony. Uh, next one coming in from Mark says, after show on Wits, it gets it. Another notification there for that. Um, and it sounds like he says, Tony, take your, I, I think I'm colorblind, but it looks, I think he's saying red pill. I'm not sure, but either way, I think you're invited over there to, uh, have a chat, but you're always welcome <laughs> here to, uh, uh, have that chat with Witsit on uh, modern day debate. That's always fun. So LJ coming in 499. And uh, I forgot to mention LJ is our honorary flat earth, uh, questionnaire. He always, even when we're not having a debate about uh, flat earth versus globe, uh, comes and asks about the heliocentric model. So, uh, LJ, we appreciate you. Why is flat earth the number one censored topic? As a moderator of many flat earth debates, I kind of take contention with that, LJ. I mean, well, uh, to me, it's, <laughs> to, me to, to me, this is, well, I'm glad you asked. To me, this is one of the most dangerous and pernicious things. If you accept, if you reject the objective evidence we have regarding the shape of the earth, you can reject anything. You And, you know, to, to criticize the government, to criticize the government for lying to us, fine. Yes, the government does lie to us and we should hold them to account. Um, there are there are misdeeds by politicians and by government officials. But if you're prattling nonsense about the flat earth, you're not actually holding the government accountable. Um, you're distracting energy and effort that could be going into making the world a better place, better, more constructive place. And you're directing it into a deranged fantasy. And that's the that's the bottom line here. You you have if you 
Remove yourself from observational reality. I brought in observations about the propagation of earthquakes. I brought in observations about um, rail track links. I brought in observations about navigation. I brought in all of this observational data and they just ignored it. They'd no, rather, brought a bunch of substantive specific rather they, rather they believe, rather they asserted with zero evidence again, that they properly understand and have interpreted scientific literature that they manifestly have not. Any thoughts, Daryl, before we move on? I could just second that with Tony. I mean, uh, there's this discussion as if I believe I heard Toby say, oh, they're saying we're not allowed to understand math. This, this, is it you, understand, you can understand it or you don't. Uh, nobody, there's, so. The rules uh, are you're not supposed to you invoke about your a, opponent. <laughs> then oh, now, I'm sorry. Now I have to let them uh, respond. I just thought it was, I thought it was. That's the rule. He's more gaslighting. The audience knows that's all he does is gaslight. It's all all good. At the end of his statement, Toby. Go ahead, Daryl. Sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, so it seems really, really relevant. So nobody's saying that. Like, for instance, with NASA, you know, uh, I had a a brief experience of a, a, when I was at community college, of being in a learning experience with NASA and to, 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 to be able to see a little bit of what they're doing and what they're working on and the and the and the the, the ingenuity and the and the and the, the effort seconds. and the and the higher level of, that goes into what they're doing is is amazing that people just say I don't believe NASA but the fact is anybody can do their own science and math and uh, understand what's going on so all right let us carry on and thank you so much for your super chats and thank you uh, uh, for wrapping that up for us Daryl. Uh, let's see what it gets. It says Daryl actually said that MMX had nothing to do with motion. Ha ha. Okay. Then what did they use specifically to get their predicted fringe shift value? Tried to do you uh, justice there, brother. (laughs) MMX. Uh, yeah, that's what Michelson Morley experiment. Oh no no I, I didn't I didn't say that so it sounds like there was a, a misunderstanding so I didn't say it had nothing to do with motion what I said was which is what the paper said and which is what the understanding is that they were measuring relative motion between the motion of the Earth and the ether I didn't say it didn't have anything to do with motion what I'm what I'm understanding from various flat earthers they try to say is measuring the motion of the Earth period when the paper itself as we show looking at it that, that's that's not what it, what it what it's saying so it definitely has to do with motion it has to do with relative motion now not that's just the motion of the planet which was already understood to be uh going on they were they were measuring it and they also mentioned ways to measure it relative to the solar system using okay. jupiter's the orbit of jupiter's moon so all throughout the paper is clear that they recognize that there is a globe orbiting orbiting the sun and so on and so forth time. the contention was whether there was ether thank you so much daryl what's it gets it uh, and I'll let you pick up on this one, Daryl, uh, says, and why are you guys ducking the linearized Sagnick effect? Uh, budgets didn't come up. So, I mean, looking at that, and that's another one, by the way, who Still reads these papers and doesn't understand what he's talking about or doesn't have the, the necessary understanding to see what's going on. Um, if you look if you look at the paper and read what the Wang paper, the first one, the generalized Sagnick effect, they were simply pointing out the fact that they could do it in a linear fashion as well. So, that, so he actually talked about the fact that for navigation, some of these, uh, 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 they could utilize the circular and the linear one at the same time to increase accuracy. So I, I didn't see anywhere in the paper where it spoke anything to the to the effect that Sagnac is linearized now and there's no motion or like that. He was simply saying that 
It could also be done in a linear, linear fashion and in the first order fashion using, uh, as far as the Wang second paper, uh, yeah. uh, 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 to get, to get different that results. Been so, 1999. This is our question. seconds over to Tony. Okay. The, the central issue here is that they don't understand the term linearized. Um, so um, a first order a, a first order effect is uh, is a basically is algebraically a linear effect. So it is linear in terms of the variable, but the variable here Five is seconds. the velocity of the um, planet divided by the velocity of light. You're Can you time. shut up, mate? Um, the so the um, so it's just a first order effect in that. It's not saying anything about the linearity of the velocity. I, please okay. reply. We gotta, please. I, I got to beg you to reply because he just totally misspoke. It has nothing to do with the linear, the linear uh, linearity of the variable. It's literally linear motion through the waveguide loop. All right. We let that, we let that one go. Uh, and let's just carry on, fellas. And uh, I'll let you have the last word there, Toby. How do you say your name? Your name is more complicated than some of the terms that have been coming up in here. What is this? Fistrolinus? Oh, man. Toby, if you disagree with the experimenter, you should do your own 100% flat earth experiments instead of this cherry picking and misunderstandings. Um, more of a declaration and a statement, but I'll give you a minute uh, to respond to Fraflanis. I mean, the audience heard the debate tonight. They, they can make their own judgment about who's misunderstanding things. I mean, that was kind of just like a gaslighting question anyways. Like, I almost don't even really want to entertain it. Uh, what was the substantive question again? Can you please remind me? I asked you to do 100% uh, flat earth experiments instead of cherry picking. Oh, yeah. Experiments. I mean, literally every experiment that gets done just gets explained away anyways. Like, it's been done over and over and over and over again. It just gets explained away over and over and over again. You either invoke a refraction that magically curves around the Earth perfectly relational to the way that it would make it appear that the Earth's actually flat. Uh, with relativity, they just invoke Lorentz transforms that you literally can't unsubstantiate. Like, the thing is, like, like what I like to say about this when people bring this up is I have nothing to actually go... Uh, to go dispute, right? I do not dispute the fact that in a theoretical universe, that there's a theoretical reference frame in which light is, uh, is you know, is constant. I do not dispute that. It's a theoretical reference frame that can never be falsified, never be substantiated. It's it's philosophically just totally bunk. But I can't dispute something that's philosophically totally bunk because you can't even use real logic to dispute it. All right, let's carry on. Uh, I am for four ninety nine says Daryl claims MMX has nothing to do with Earth's orbital motion, but not to mention You've the title. You've been through that one. It's oh, did I? Oh no, that you, that the other one was from Witsit. Sorry. Yeah, no, this is a say, different question, but the is, same. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say this is a different one about a similar topic. So he says Daryl claims MMX had nothing to do with Earth's orbital motion, but not to mention the title. It's mentioned in the first half of the first paragraph. And that's their 10th Super Chat. Thank you so much um, for that. So, are you wanting me to respond to that one? Just a similar argument? Yes, sir. So, the, the same thing as before. When you look at the paper, it clearly talks about uh, uh, the relative motion. Okay? So, it, it talks about the Earth, the, the Jupiter's moons. It talks about the motion of the solar system. It clearly shows that it understands that the Earth is moving. It was talking about the relative motion of the Earth to ether and testing that. The null result was the fact that it didn't find ether. So I don't know how this, I don't know where, it, you know, people, I guess, sometimes mishear, but I never recall saying, Tony, did, did I ever say that it was not, not about motion at all? 
I don't. I don't think so. I don't know where they're getting yeah, this from. So yeah, I don't know where they're getting this from, but maybe well, rewatch it and listen a bit more closely. Uh, well, whoever is, uh, the people that keep asking. I mean, Tony that. said they the motion to, literally didn't matter. For them, so, Tony, so, Tony conceded. So, sorry, Toby. Please, please, please. I'm sorry, Toby. I don't want to mute you, but you can't talk over me. Uh, we're gonna carry on. I'm gonna just take you off the mute there. Um, I am had a follow up question. Uh, this says the effect was attributed to a simple composition of the velocity of light with the velocity of the Earth in its orbit. First paragraph MMX. We'll give you one minute there, and then we'll carry on. Yeah. So I mean, same thing. It, it talks about the motion of the Earth, motion of the, of Jupiter and its moons, relative motion of the solar system. So it's talking about motion and uh, those things are moving relative to the ether. So I mean, I don't know how many times we could beat that dead horse. <laughs> I'd like to. Yeah, so, I'd like to say you something. Add, Tony? Huh? Yeah, I do. Um, the claim up, uh, made multiple times seconds. that I have considered geocentrism is a barefaced lie. What I have said is that the evidence relating to the geometry of Earth is unrelated to the evidence, is independent of the evidence relating to its motion. Um, and the fact that um, Toby can't seem to understand that uh, does rather illustrate his inability to correctly interpret scientific literature. You've been invoked, Toby, so uh, if, if you can come off mute, you uh, can dig into this. The fact that I don't understand what, what was it? You weren't listening? Oh, what a surprise. No, yeah, I was, I was looking at something on my computer. I missed what you yeah, said. Yeah, well, maybe pay there. attention to what you're doing. Okay. Now, will you, will you repeat yourself for me, please? Nope. Right, okay, we can move on, James. Let's move on. All right. Uh, and just a reminder, I am Ryan. I know it says James on the Zoom oh. chat. and it, it, yeah, You it know, and I knew that. Up. Sorry. <laughs> it messes everybody up all the time, so don't worry about it. It's a really <laughs> minor thing. And, and and everybody in the live chat, you behave yourselves. I, I, I know that I might look like James. I might be as buff as James, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously not. All right, so let's see. Uh, we got other questions. Uh, oh, wait. We got other ones from Winsett. Let's keep scrolling up here. Don't mind me, everybody. Lazy thumbs who haven't hit the like button. I'm calling you out. All right. So LJ says, why don't we have non-CGI footage of space in 2023? We do. I could get that one. Go ahead and show us. So I show some some photos in my picture. Show us how they're CGI. Let's start there. I always get this. These, these, uh, to me, it seems like a, a very dishonest question. How, how we don't have any that's not CGI when I've never seen any of them show where any picture is CGI. It's just, it's just a baseless claim. Why don't you show me a CGI? Why don't you get your evidence that they CGI, contact NDD, and I'll come on and talk with you about it. How about that? You want to you talk about it, Tony? If anyone um, yes, wants to I do. do Can I share my screen for a moment? Uh, well, we are trying to keep it brief uh, for the sake yeah, of you guys' time just one slide. But go ahead. Uh, we'll give you 30 seconds. Go ahead. Once okay. you get your screen share up, we'll start the timer. Okay, so these photos were taken um, in 1965. You provide the evidence to me that these were CGI'd. Further, provide the evidence to me that it was even possible for them to CGI these images um, in 1965. You can't do either of those things because it wasn't. All right. Well, thank you for the quick uh, screen share there. I appreciate that. Uh, and you guys are going to appreciate it, too, because like I said, uh, I've almost gotten to that point where the scroll bar has hit the halfway point.
That's where you Excellent. guys are at. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, speed it up, brother. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm Unreal. doing. I'm doing what I can. I'm sorry, Alan. I don't mean to be keeping you guys, but uh, super I'm, quick, brother. Read real fast. Get in there. I can do it. I can do it. I won't waffle anymore. Even though uh, last time I was on, Nicktoon called me out for waffling while I scrolled, and uh, I messaged him after and asked him if he'd like some maple syrup with all my waffling that I do. Well, bro, you're not reading. You're fucking Isa, talking. Yeah, I know, right? Isa, I had to scroll. Hold on a second here. Isa <laughs> Kabir asks, first question, all panelists, please explain the different level order measurements with experiments. Uh all right, we'll start there, Issa. So uh, 15 seconds, Toby. Uh, so is it, is it a direct measurement or is it not? Are you abstracting from it or are you not? It's essentially that's when you get into the fourth order. You've gone in through four layers of abstractions, right? The reason that they try to say that the Michelson-Morley interferometer is not a first order measurement is because you actually have to, you're, it's reliant on the two-way speed of light. And so they have to make an assumption about what the one-way speed of light was. All right. It's a closed loop, right? 15 seconds over to you, Tony. Okay, no. A first order experiment means that the effect that you're trying to um, trying to isolate in your experiment is of first order magnitude in the algebra. That's the distinct. Whereas a second order Three experiment seconds. means that it's a second order um, second order term in the algebra. Time. Third order term is it's got nothing to do um, with uh, what what was just suggested that's right, so a you wouldn't have to do algebra to deduce the one-way speed of uh, light from for, two ways this is, all, this is for all panelists so 15 seconds on the floor daryl uh all panelists please explain the second a second with what, what, what tony said that's, that's exactly what i was talking about the taylor expansion the taylor expansion the first the first expansion the first order second is the second order which would be a slope because that's the first derivative and so on and so forth so it has nothing to do with what you're talking about which is why they don't understand what's going on with these papers and why some papers disregard higher orders and some some papers accept lower orders like with the uh like like with Wayne's second one thanks thank you so much daryl and last a word alan 15 seconds on the floor please explain the different level order measurements with experiments oh yeah so uh i agree with mostly with most of what daryl said and i also agree with what toby said that's my contribution all right thank you so much uh, let's see. Matt Urquhart says, "Flat Earth. Is it possible for Haversine formulae to uh, accurately describe all shortest path distances on a flat surface in Euclidean space?" Dude, that's a great question. So we do have a linearized Haversine formula, but I can't, I can't, I can't present that right now. But uh, the answer to the question, though, the Haversine formula and the use of it would derive, that's how you derive distances on the on the globe, right? So this is what they're looking for with it. But yeah, we actually have that now. It's forthcoming, but yeah. Any thoughts over there, Toby, before we move on? Nope. Yeah, no? All right. Let us carry on. Uh, so I'm just checking in on you guys in the live chat, making sure you're behaving yourself, seeing who all is still hanging out. Uh, What's It Gets It asks, Daryl. You just got exposed after claiming you understood it way more. Answer the question. What is the prop proportional velocity being measured in MMX? Let's do 45 seconds going forward. Uh, certainly, uh, they were measuring the relative motion, or trying to measure the relative motion of Earth to the ether. Uh, my purpose of reading the paper was not to understand it completely because this is my first time reading it. It was just to look at it and show that you don't understand it. And just like I've seen you present papers that you don't understand as well with it. So it's a common theme in Flat Earth, uh, as, as me and Tony pointed out, and they demonstrated for us over and over again. So 
All right. Well, let's go back to Issa's second question. And he says, what is the place for credentials in Flat Earth versus Globe to all panelists? So 15 seconds over to you, Toby. What is the place for credentials in Flat Earth versus Globe? Uh, it's really complicated. I think in some cases we have to invoke people of credentials just because that's what people are used to. And that's the system that we, you know, in a lot of ways live in. But at the same time, uh, you know, we saw Tony not even understand the computations of, of, uh, you know, the 2d versus 3d waves. And he's, that's apparently his, his profession. So, uh, you can't always just rely on people's credentials. That's a fallacy. Anyways, it's, it's not a way to live your life. You need to go investigate things for yourself and trust your own instincts, trust your own intellect. And if you don't understand something, that's okay. But you, you know, that doesn't mean that just because I don't, I, I, I'm okay with not understanding things. I don't, I'm not out here lying about understanding all this. That's, that's, that's still, yes, you are. Okay. Um, so so to me, Questions. yeah, well, you just made an assertion yeah, about me not seconds. understanding stuff. So the option, so the the option that this was going to be a polite interaction uh, has long passed. You've got, so let's apply this guy's methodology to flying a plane. So you don't need to listen to instructors. You don't need to read manuals. You can just get into a plane and just that? fucking crash it. Um, you can go and do brain surgery because apparently you don't need qualifications to do brain surgery. You can just wander into a hospital, do it yourself. You don't need to study. You don't need qualifications. You can do it all yourself. That's not how That's anything works. All right. Over to you, Daryl. Uh, another thing that comes to mind is martial arts. Sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, a black belt is just a belt. And that's usually coming from people who didn't train in martial arts. So about the same thing, people don't get a qualification normally just because it's granted. It's a demonstration of the learning and experimentation that was done to develop the understanding. That's what it's, that's what it's about. Hell yeah. I'm going for my black belt right now. So I, I, I've got to just keep working out so I don't keep hurting myself. Uh, Alan, last So is it just a belt, Ryan? You let us know. Is it just a color? Is it just a color? Is it the same as a white belt or does it actually matter? Oh, no. You does can, that credential you, you, stand for something? I was going to say most people could probably kick my butt. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, 15 seconds <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. So I 100% agree with what Toby said and I 100% agree with what Daryl said. And I didn't agree much with what uh, the other guys, uh, Tony said. <laughs> okay, awesome. All yeah, right. it, it's. In, I want. I just want. Next to question, please. Quickly. No. Yeah, we We're we should move on, on to the next question. We are, like I said, just a little over halfway. Um, and yeah, just just because I can teach kids how to kick does not mean I'm a great fighter. So, uh, Space Miner says, Ryan, you're awesome. Hey, that's a great question. That's a great comment. Thank you, Ryan. You're awesome. Don't forget your power to press the issue as well. Moderator has a say where the debate goes to. I mean, I have thoughts about that, so maybe I'll respond. Right quick, Space Miner. Um, we try to let things be as open as we can on modern day debate. We want to make sure that we keep things on subject. We want to make sure that we're keeping things cogent, polite, uh, and, and somewhat juicy and fiery at the same time. We don't want to completely choke off our speakers and say you can't be your personality on screen. Uh, so... Uh, you know, I, I try to interact when the speakers ask. Like when Toby asked for a minute, I'll give you a minute. Uh, you know, you just got to ask um, just how she goes. And uh, I'm I'm not shy about it. So, uh, Ryan, Ryan, you have the patience of a saint. Don't be shy about it. Oh, thank you. I was going to say, I, yeah, ultimately, uh, I am in total control. I can kick people out. I can mute people when I need to. I'm just very chill. So Witsa Gets It asks, why does GPS have an account for C plus V? For both. 
So you plus or minus. Um, well, Tony and uh, Daryl, I think they're sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the, that features into the that features into the distance calculations. I don't understand why that. You know, this is. I'm not an expert. I work with people who are experts in um, GPS who have written their own inversion software. Um, they use GPS to track the motion of continental plates. I've been on a GPS survey, but um, I'm not into the weeds on the on the formulation, but it doesn't matter. Um, the um, the reality is GPS works. You want to you want to demonstrate that um, flat Earth. You want to demonstrate flat Earth. Use GPS to demonstrate a flat Earth. Show me that um, if we put a GPS on a ship, that the ocean doesn't curve, because it does. Um, show me that um, you've got some other way of doing things. And I know I, you know I like this. Oh, we've got a distance formula that's going to work. Trust me, it's over there, um, you know, in 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 the cupboard. My, you know, don't ask to see it because God alone knows. You know, we never do anything in the real world. Um, but yeah, um, it works. I don't know the details of it. So there. All right, let's carry on. Uh, and uh, Jams said, Ryan is yo, so beta. Yo, uh, Tony, I'm sending you an Excel sheet on Discord real quick. It has the Haversine formula. You can take a look at it. And somebody else asked me to say it with my chest. If I say it with my chest, then it's going to be a real nightmare around here. Uh, like I said, I'm going to play that tune at the end are of you, the Are you on Medicinal Mass Media, Tony? I could put it in the general nope. chat there. Oh, okay. Oh, he's he's in our uh, Zoom chat if you want to post anything in there. That's cool. Can you, can you send... Uh, Excel files. Well, I guess you can, right? PDFs. I, let me, let me with, with Tony's consent, I can connect you guys via email if you want to send links back and forth. Sure. Yeah, if you want to actually have it, but I can't share it unless, yeah, it won't let me drop it in. Okay. I have to email it to you. I'll connect you guys via email once we're done. Uh, Howard okay. Moore asks, with the actual documents being read, reflecting intent method and conclusions, will Toby, Allen, and Witsit continue to misrepresent them? Bring wits in. My goodness. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, I mean, she's. Uh, I, I don't really agree with that. And, <laughs> you know, I think that I'm going to defer to what Toby says, for my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's that's your opinion. I, I would uh, I would bet that if we were to have a debate about this topic, that you haven't even done any surface level investigation into it. If you have a substantive uh, contention with something that we've read into, you can go meet us up on ethercosmology.com, ethercosmology YouTube. We literally read the papers live on the air, so you can leave your comment down there. Uh, you know, we may or may not comment. We try to when you're actually acting in good faith and asking a question in good faith. Uh, but yeah, we definitely don't misrepresent any of these papers. Uh, and the fact that you didn't like if you actually if you actually saw something there that you knew substantively we misrepresented, then you would have you would have your your super chat would have been a very excited super chat to tell us why in with substance what we did was misrepresent the paper. Right. But you didn't do that. Instead, you just had to make yourself feel better by saying that we must be misrepresenting these papers because that's the only way that the ground beneath your feet can be moving and you can be on a spinning space ball, tilting, wobbling in the corner of the universe. I'm glad I deferred my opinion to Toby. Well said. All right. Thank you, Toby. And uh, next question coming in says, uh, what's it gets it? Tony, you said word salad 10 times. Can you define it? Um, well, there are two um, technical, there are two, there's a technical definition where word salad is the babbling of um, a mentally ill person. 
Um, and there is a colloquial um, use of the expression um, in which it's just a, um, it's just a sequence of meaningless jargon. For instance, the last time I got to talk to Witsit, he introduced the um, phrase um, con centripet centrifugal divergence. Centrifugal divergence as though this is physically meaningful, as though it has some sort of scientific value. It's utterly meaningless. The only person who uses this is Ken Wheeler. It's not in any scientific literature whatsoever. It's not in any textbooks. It's without, it is devoid of meaning. It is word salad. And the There's fact that Witsit and the other Ken Wheeler fans swallow it whole. Yeah, that's why they shouldn't be trusted. That's why their scientific opinion shouldn't be trusted. I better turn my preamp back on. See, this is a, a mic that needs a uh, phantom power. I got a little button there. Got to be careful. It's just a description of pure potential from a magnet, essentially, of a magnetic field. Well, um, <laughs> no, it isn't. Thanks for pulling us full circle. Matt Hightower says, uh, a one, all right, so he's got two questions here. One is SpaceX also in this conspiracy to fake space. Uh, so, Alan, first thoughts. Yes. And then also going to go ahead and defer to Toby for any additional information regarding the faking of space. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I'll just say, like, from my own personal perspective, I, you know, once I realized that I could even invoke the idea that the ground beneath my feet's not moving um, and let go of all these Einsteinian paradoxes, it was, you know, it was really good for my my cognition. Um, but yeah, I don't trust Elon Musk. I don't trust SpaceX. I, you know, I, I think that he's done some cool things with free speech, kind of, it seems like, but he's clearly in the club. He's clearly been propped up. He used Tesla as his piggy bank for, you know, for like a decade there. Uh, yeah. And he was held up with all that. I think he's tied to Bitcoin, too. You know, he was part of the original PayPal crew. The fact that the Bitcoin, uh, that the person that created Bitcoin is a, is a mystery is not a coincidence. That's 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 CIA that's by design. All right. And the second part of this question is, what the F am I seeing when I look up and see a string of Starlink satellites orbiting the Earth if they are not, in fact, orbiting the globe planet? They're just flying by in a line. And that we, we, you know, like we didn't really get to get into perspective very much in the way that we perceive the sky and the way that things converge into the distance as they, as they, so that's why things appear to go up and over you and down because it's actually just as they come out, they emerge from your, uh, from your, uh, angular resolution point right they can they, they emerge from that and then they come over you and they go over top and it looks like an arch and then they they uh then they converge again back in the distance and that's actually why with the sun it's kind of like what you see with uh corpuscular rays right they come out from one side and then they go over you and they go back to the other side and those are actually those are actually straight lines but they look to be curving because of the way that you're looking from a single point in space out through a 3d world all right any thoughts there alan before we move on with the 20 seconds yeah yeah we can go ahead and get the next one all right. Thanks, buddy. Let's see what we got. We got Unconditional Truth says, can Alan explain the implication of Newton's bucket? Well, you got your spinning bucket. You got your laws of physics, which are all derived on a stationary, non-rotating, you know, inertial frame. When Newton put the, when Newton was spinning the bucket, he said, well, there must be an absolute space somewhere. It's definitely not on earth because I'm a Copernican lad. And I believe in all this motion that's never been measured or, uh, or anything like that. So, you know, absolute space must be somewhere. So that's a quick TLDR on the bucket. Okay. They also ask you, what is the importance of the lab frame? 
Well, the lab frames where the, all the laws of physics were derived. So super important. All right. Uh, and uh, Alan and Toby, what does Newton's bucket tell us about physics? Hmm. It tells us that there is an absolute rest frame. But where is it? Where can we find it? Is it in the stars? Is it on Earth? We may never know. It's on Earth. Yeah, just just extrapolate a little bit on Newton's bucket, right? The idea is that you have a bucket with water. I know Alan went through it really fast earlier, but you have a bucket with water in it. And as you spin the bucket, the water will start to go up the sides of the bucket, right? And so say you put someone inside the bucket, a small per you have to say it's a giant bucket, and you put someone on the edge of the bucket. Well, to the person on the edge of the bucket, they're not going to be able to tell whether they're spinning or whether the water inside and the person inside is spinning. And to the person on the inside, they're not going to be able to tell the, whether it's you know the other way around. But the thing that is different is that the water ran up the size because that's the dynamic Ten effect seconds. of the actual motion. So there's a difference between you know these these reference frames cannot be purely transformed from one to the other. That's you know that, they needed Einstein to do that. All right, what's it gets it says Daryl? Can you explain why there is constantly in caps, a fringe shift measured in MMX. I'll start there. I, I would have to look at the paper again to, to see if that's even true. I found that uh, Wissett doesn't always tell the truth, so I won't take his word on that's what it says. Yeah, the the authors of the paper attributed, uh, attributed the um, signal that they detected to experimental error. Um, and I don't see, Witsit is adducing no evidence that their opinion should be second-guessed. He's just asserting that um, experimental noise should be accepted as though it's real. Um, well, asked, and that's not how science works. Sorry to cut you off there, Tony, uh, but he did uh, follow up on that question. He says, doesn't a consistent detection directly refute heliocentrism slash relativity? No. Um, the, 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 the fact that you consistently get non-zero noise doesn't mean that there's a signal. Um, you can, let's take it, let's take an example of, um, rolling three, three, um, D six or three six sided dice. Um, my prediction, the most accurate prediction possible is that the average is going to be 11, but the error, you know, that's the best estimate that you can have. But the error is just going to be some random number somewhere between seven and a half and a half. So, you know, the um, even though even though our theory is absolutely correct, um, our experiment produces error. That's just how experimental noise works. All right, we got to no, move on. No, you don't get to talk. We got to move on. Uh, I'm so sorry there, Toby. Uh, yeah, I, I, I saw you put your hand up. But yeah, uh, Eric Walters uh, says, uh, sorry, Waters says, Flat Earth says the sun sets over the horizon because it's far away. If it was simply far away, couldn't I still see it with a telescope or something? Toby, first thoughts. Uh, I'm trying to think of how I can tie in Dayton Miller with this question. Um, so I... You know, maybe if you were to take Movement an interferometer, huh? No, okay, I, I won't do that. I really on. wanted to reply to the last question, but in any I case, know. so with this, you know, it's, it's simple. It's convergence into the distance. I explained it pretty explicitly in the beginning. I'm sorry, maybe it's not simple. I, 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 I sorry, but you know, essentially, um, as things get further and further away, the relationship of the way that they disappear into the into the horizon, that that point where they start to. Uh, where they start to turn, they start to compress into the point where you can't perceive them anymore. That relationship is actually not linear. It's a, it's like a parabolic drop-off. When you hit that point where you're losing resolution, you hit a point where where things can no longer be seen. 
Alan, any thoughts for the last 10 seconds? Yeah, what Toby said. Next question. Okay. I am moving into 30 seconds to uh, move out some of these super chats. So, uh, RM, two globe and flat is math science. We'll just keep it yes or no. Is math science? Toby? Yes or no? No, it's a different field. It's a different thing. Math describes things. Science explains things. We'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it uh, short for this one. Yeah. Is math science? <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Uh, and uh, Tony, uh, is math science? No, mathematics is the language of science. Or to put it another way, um, mathematics is uh, deductive, right? Whereas science is inductive. All right. And Daryl, is math science? Yes or no? No, it's a tool that science utilizes. Okay, thank you. Mike Jones, I, I guess I shouldn't say yes or no. Yeah, oh, wait, yeah, wait, is... wait. Before we move on, I also agree with what Daryl said. Cool. All right. Yeah, agreement is always a great thing on uh, on the stream. And you know what? I, I, I've hosted Alan before, and I got to appreciate you for being an amicable dude. Uh, amicable dude. Sorry, I, I have to say that properly. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Yes, uh, I appreciate uh, your attitude. So, Mike Jones, I think it was done in a Faraday cage, and you're going to have to prove it wasn't, Tony. That's in quotes. Oh, maybe it was done in a Faraday cage. Also, Tony, one minute later. So, Tony, this person's coming right at you. They're putting, okay. yeah. in quotes. I mean, so, the, but this, but this, this, uh, this completely misses the point that I was making, which is that Alan was asserting that an experimental effect that he was completely unaware of, given 20 seconds to actually look at it, he decided that this was due to changing um, electrical potential. Um, uh, now, he could demonstrate that by doing the same experiment at a variety of electrical um, potential gradients, but he's done absolutely none of that. Instead, he's just made an assertion um, and completely overlooked the rest of the observational database. All right. Thank you so much. Which it gets it. Tony, can you explain GPS Meriden corrections? 30 seconds. Um, Meridian. Meridian. Meridian corrections. Um, No. There you go. Okay. Uh, JD, uh, another one for you, uh, Tony. Hold on. I'll come back to you. Uh, Leo Crow, never once in human history has nuclear fusion on the sun been proven. The axial rotation of the sun disproves it completely. This is another one, I think, for you, Tony. Why is the heliocentric model nothing but paradoxes? 30 seconds, Tony. Um, well, we can prove that the, um, that the spectral lines of, uh, in the light emitted by the sun are, do correspond to fusion effects. We can, um, confirm that there are, um, uh, that there are, uh, effects, um, can, you know, there are subatomic particles being produced and emitted by the sun consistent with a fusion effect. Um, we can also notice Mass, eject, mass being ejected from the sun, and that mass takes three mass days to reach Earth. So the idea of a local sun is completely disproven by that alone. Okay, thank you so much for that. Uh, Daryl, did you have any thoughts before we move on? Pretty much uh, touched on it. I mean, we could examine the sun. Uh, I, I, I find that the, the flat earthers, they make these claims, but do no astronomy whatsoever. So, I mean, Tony covered it. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I do want to. I do want to return to Witsit's question. Mm -hmm. um, Which question? Uh, 
I just the the question about meridian correction. Oh, I can find sorry. no publications on this um, on this subject. Paul Marmon, so I don't know what he's like. talking about. Which has asked. <laughs> which it has asked a lot of questions. To be fair, uh, JD asks. Uh, my goodness, yeah, that's another one for you, Tony. I want to get one that's maybe for somebody else, and then we'll come back. Flat Earth. Do you agree? One degree equals sixty-nine miles. Yep. I don't know. I've never verified it. Okay. Let's see. Having a degree only proves you can memorize books is a statement by LJ. Coming at Daryl and Tony. Any thoughts about having a degree only proves that you can memorize books? It's absolutely untrue. Um, the critical, um, uh, having a degree has two things. One, you are um, educated with facts that you can recall, but two, your ability to apply these facts to solve real-world problems is critical. So it's the second it's the second element that is the critical part. Being able to think critically and apply scientific facts to real-world problems, and this is where flat Earth completely falls over. There is not a single real-world problem that flat Earth has solved. They can't navigate. They can't calculate distances. They can't do anything. Um, so of what value, of what scientific value is flat earth? Okay. Uh, next one coming in. Uh, actually, yeah, that one was for both of you. Uh, did you have any thoughts, Daryl, about uh, having a degree only yes. proves you can memorize books? LG is always coming at I guess uh, I do have a thought. Uh, right yeah. now, I currently have two associate degrees, summa cum laude. I'm a senior working on my double in physics and astronomy. I can tell you it's not only about memorizing things. Going back to my analogy, that's somebody who obviously never did martial arts, in other words. So, I mean, we have to not only learn and, and we do have to memorize stuff, we also have to apply, like Tony said, consistently in physics, we have to do labs. I myself tested Newton's equations and tested by measuring things fall and had to calculate things. I myself used a, a, a spectrograph and had to measure, calculate the lines of, of helium and, and, and uh, nitrogen to show that these lines come from gases that are electrified, which Tony meant, referred to when we, how we know things are in the sun. So these things I'm we sorry. have to learn how to do ourselves to even understand and, and to understand enough to get our degree. So it's just simply not true. All right. Uh, JD coming in says, uh, PhD Tony Less, uh, in quotation, he says, "Um's still so, so still sober." I'm not sure what he's trying to say here. He says, "Brilliant job showing how wrong flat earthers are." JD, I can only assume that you're just making huzzah for Tony. So, uh, thank you so much for the uh, fan super chat, and we'll carry on. Woods it gets it says, "Tony, can you explain GPS?" Uh, yeah, we just did that one. Um, but again, that's what I looked up. No publications on this, so I don't know what you're referring to. Right. Paul Marmont and the constant velocity of light. The constant, <laughs> yeah, GPS and the um, constant velocity of light. Well, show me a publication. That's the publication. So Geocentric um, Truth asks uh, for, uh, they accuse you of being angry, Tony. They, they call you angry, Tony. Well, explain why we see less stars when you fly at night in an airplane. Uh, anything to say to Geocentric Truth? Um, yes, you mean fewer stars, um, but the um, the reason would be glare off the inside of your um, of your of your window. Um, that it, it's as simple as that. All right. 
There you go. He's not taking the bait geocentric. Uh, you're going to have to try again. Mike Jones says, the Vikings who got blown off course to Canada weren't doing transatlantic voyages. Dash Tony. They're, they're quoting you again. Uh, the- yes. Well, they, they were trying to get from Iceland to Greenland, right? That's not a transatlantic voyage. They got blown off course, and so that's not a deliberate um, voyage. They got blown off course to Canada, and then they sailed back to Greenland. Sailing from Greenland to Canada is not a transatlantic voyage. You're go- you're not going across the entire ocean, so it's not a transoceanic voyage. You're island hopping. Five you're seconds. going from Iceland to Greenland to Canada. All right. And that's perfect time right there. Oh, Canada. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm here and I'm loving it, honestly. Like, uh, it's not a bad place. Boo. Uh, boo. Yeah, you can boo me all you like. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so Unconditional Truth says, Daryl, uh, actually, uh, before we ask this one from Unconditional Truth, let's try to pass it over. Eric Walters says, for the flat side, who is masterminding the globe conspiracy and what's their motivation? Who all is officially in on the conspiracy. Uh, we'll give you guys 45 seconds between the two of you. Is it a list of the lads that are in on the conspiracy? Is that, is that the question? Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll stop the timer. Uh, so who is masterminding the global conspiracy and what's their motive? Who all is officially in on the conspiracy? Oh, yeah. Nah, I'm good on that. I defer to Toby or anyone else wants to answer it. Daryl, you want to take a crack yeah, at I it? Could, I, could, I could speculate like all night about it, but what good does that do anybody? All right. You got it. Uh, let's see. Unconditional truth then. Daryl, if lasers uh, interfect... Uh, you guys said this earlier. Oh my Laser God. interferometry. Were to show a correlation between the emotions of the celestial bodies and fringe shifts, would that falsify relativ- relativity? Um, well, I can't say I understand the correlation between matter and relativity to say it, it would have any effect of it. This is one of the things that uh, I hear uh, uh, flat earthers get wrong, probably intentionally. So, um, you know, relativity is 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 basically the uh, an over encompassing uh, system that encompasses Newton laws that basically could, could calculate motion at uh, rel- at relativistic speeds and things like that. So I don't I don't see how uh, anything like interferometry would would nullify it in any way. In any sense, it, it reinforces it by the fact that the, the time is different in different directions and according to whether the if the uh, device is moving. And we have to calculate things like that in my modern physics class when I actually learned relativity and about proper time and, and reference frames and Galilean transformations and so on and so forth that these time. guys apparently haven't learned. So I, I don't see the I don't see the correlation. Sorry to cut you off there. What's it gets it says, so Tony, why did you dock that it would work on a flat earth if you account for a time differential? Your model requires time differentials and speed assumptions. 30 seconds. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, so the, uh, the our, our model doesn't require time corrections. It's the flat earth model that requires the time adjustments that uh, are applied arbitrarily. And there's a distance out to which that will work. It won't work indefinitely. Um, so, you know, and uh, as for the assumptions of um, velocity, we actually have observational data. We have rocks from volcanoes. We can take them into um, laboratories, subject them to pressure and temperature, and um, examine the pre- examine 
um, the passage of seismic waves through them. So okay. we can determine their seismic properties and their seismic velocities um, observationally. Thank you. Uh, for Srelnik, whatever your name is, I'll say it weirdly every time. Toby, why not do your own 100%? Uh, I think you asked You've this done one. that one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I must have scrolled up just a little tiny bit. You see, I got lazy fingers sometimes. Bro, you got one job. What the hell's going on over here? <laughs> one job. And Marinoff tried to do it. He tried to publish his own paper, and he got thrown out of a library window, so... Alan, why are you trying to uh, why are you trying to flame me, buddy? <laughs> I give you to keep you on task, brother. No, you can't do that. I was gonna say it's an ADHD man. You're gonna just throw me right off if you do that. No, all right. Flat out fudge says PhD Tony says so the Earth wouldn't move under the helicopter even with it being suspended in the air. And he, we did read that one. My my finger, my finger. I, tw I swear. Tony, why do you lie about having a PhD? Awesome town, Matt. Just makes an accusation. Thanks for that. Let's not entertain. Mike Jones uh, says... No, I'll, I'll take that. Any flat earther who wants to know if I have a PhD or not, I bet, you, I, I bet you 10 grand I do. Everybody trying to make money put, on this channel. Pony up the money, put it in, a, put it in, a, put it in escrow, yep. and we can sort this out. I can confirm that he has a PhD. I just downloaded his thesis like 10 minutes ago. So. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, everybody's been making bets on this channel lately. I mean, some people are going to be losing money or making money. I don't know. Mike Jones, uh, neutrinos are claimed to have three natural sources, cosmic rays, the sun, and supernova. Tony is a fraud, and Daryl has... Uh, he's just he's just being rude. Anyways, uh, let's just try to ask his question. Sorry, Mike. So neutrinos are claimed to have three natural sources, cosmic rays, the sun, and supernova. Yes. Saying that some cosmic rays are neutrinos is not the same as saying that cosmic rays are neutrinos or neutrinos are cosmic rays. It's a it's a it's a logical fallacy to say that a property of the subset therefore applies to the whole. He was looking at studies of cosmic rays and then trying to say, well, this must be what neutrinos are like. Um, and in particular, he was trying to say that this is what solar neutrinos must be like. Um, solar neutrinos and cosmic rays, the vast majority of cosmic rays, for instance, the ones that produce spallation, um, that produce cosmogenic radionuclides, um, they are not neutrinos. They interact with Stop. matter demonstrably. Okay. Any thoughts, Daryl, before we move on? Oh, I'm just getting into that. So I'm, I'm just aware that there's experiments that detect them, but Tony got it. All right. Uh, let's reset that timer. And a flatless says, can an airplane flying a north-south land on the equator if the Earth is spinning 1,000 miles per hour east-west underneath it? I'll let you start, Daryl. Certainly. Um, this goes back to the point earlier, like if you're in a bus, if you're on the bus and, and the bus is moving and you jump, the bus doesn't just suddenly speed away from you. So by the same token, rel relative to the airplane, they're, they're, you know, the Earth is stationary until it takes off. So it only picks up the speed that it takes off relative to the planet. So I, I'm not sure why that's still such a big issue. Okay. And again, the atmosphere is rotating at the same speed, as roughly the same speed as the planet underneath it. So the so the motion of the plane um, coincides with the motion of the ground okay. as it goes in, and the pilot will any any small residual due to winds the pilot will correct for. 
All right, that is time. So Witsig gets it, says, Tony, can you define a credentials fallacy? 30 seconds. A credentials fallacy would be somebody saying that they are right just because they have credentials, which is not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm, I, am, I am saying that I have the scientific literature backing my position. That's not a credentials fallacy. So if I have scientific observations and scientific studies that validate my position, that is not the same as an assertion from authority. And the, the, but the fallacy that these guys have is that they are asserting that they are properly right. qualified to read, interpret, and represent the contents of scientific papers when they are manifestly right. not able to. we, we got to move on. My... Yeah, can I make a clarification real quick, please? Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, I, actually, I actually never claim that. I'm just the guy that reads PDFs on the internet. So that's explicitly what I don't claim. I encourage people okay, to Okay, so, so you're up, willing please. to admit... I just need you're... two seconds, bro, and I'm done. So anyway, I encourage people to do their own research and not just okay. what I read. But if you're, you know, so you accept that you are not qualified to correctly interpret and represent the contents of scientific papers, yet here you are doing it. What do you mean by, I don't want to engage with you. Yeah, you're right. 100%. His, his argument is that you should hand over the authority of all your thoughts to the institutions. No, my argument is that you should restrict your um, authoritative utterances to subjects that you demonstrably well understand. And if science is not one of those subjects, don't opine on it. I'm sure you have a profession that you are good at. Um, I'm sure you are an expert in your profession. Right, so I don't turn up are... at your work Next question. and say, we're good, you bro. don't we're, know we're what you're doing. We're moving down, we're moving down we're good, a different Brody. path, Tony. Uh, yeah, we want to have a uh, you know, uh, chit-chat afterwards. We can. Mind Mastery TV, the Globe Earth proponents are actually pushing me away from the Globe. Why would you guys need to scream, interrupt, and gaslight the Flat Earthers? Uh, so Mind Mastery is making a commentary on... Uh, on the meta, so we've tried to avoid that. Uh, I'm so sorry, my mastery. We've got to move on, and I'm I'm sorry. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, meta discussion back and forth. So, I am says uh, thanks a lot, Ryan. You skipped over both of my super chats. I'll try to keep them on subject. I'm I'm doing what I can, guys. But uh, we've got so many super chats, and if they're not relevant. If they're just like, you know, calling out speakers, we've got to move on. We can't just uh, sit here insulting speakers and just making little gotchas. Uh, let's keep it relevant. Richie Constitution says, thank you, Daryl. You proved that Toby and Alan know nothing about science globe with the win. So much for relevant. But you know what? I did say we like the uh, fan super chats as well uh, because we can just move through. Matt Urquhart says, by what mechanism does a coordinate system enable a spherical geometry to work on a flat plane without transforming the object itself? Thoughts, uh, Alan or Toby? I mean, I don't know. Like like I, I try to explain, right? It's not like the question's kind of malformed. They're, they're acting like I like they took a flat earth map and morphed it to a globe or something. Like I explained earlier, right. That it's all based on centuries of observations being fit to a globe model. Uh, I don't have centuries of observations to fit to a flat earth model to try and extrapolate out distances across, uh, across, you know, oceans. 
there's really no good way to do that. The only way that they can do it is using the sky and the magnetic field, which it turns out is, you know, not necessarily so straightforward to do. And they have to make insane magnetic declinations, uh, corrections in the South, like insane rates. Like it gets to a point in certain parts of the Southern oceans where they have to go like 70, 80% corrections. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not so straightforward. All right. We got to carry on there. Uh, so, uh, Witsa gets it says Daryl keeps talking about understanding math and he doesn't understand the basic equation of MMX. What does the equation two dx v squared slash v squared mean? Uh, <laughs> it was not necessary to understand that to understand that they didn't know what they were talking about. It was simply understand necessary Damn, to understand the children. Dog up. Oh, so it's his uh, question. That's, Sorry. that's you know. So, so in other words. The, 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 as Tony is talking about, these papers are being done at the PhD level by PhDs. Taylor expansion is undergraduate math, maybe even high school math. So if you, if you don't That's understand it. that, you can't possibly understand what these people are talking about, which we demonstrated, and which Tony demonstrated with the Cobbins Grace paper. It's not a, it's not a gaslighting. It's simply a fact that there's not an understanding here. We're moving right. to 15. You're fine. I was going to say, we're going to move into 15 seconds here just to get everybody moved out because uh, we're reaching uh, past, uh, far past the three hour mark. LJ, Daryl, why is your background fake, CGI, and not real? 15 seconds. Say that one more time, please. He's asking you why your background is, C- is fake, CGI, and not real. Oh, uh, uh, well. I, I didn't really pay attention to whether that was really not. I just thought it looked cool and it represented that I was on the globe side. So, uh, but if you actually have proof that photos that are presented as globe pictures that are, are CGI, please bring them in and we can, you know, we can talk about it. All right. Uh, nominal used their super chat, uh, or sort of their membership ship chat to, uh, chat to say all the, sh- uh, the space cameras and Daryl use CGI globe pick. Bring the evidence. Shazam says, Toby, why do you think Tony is such an, uh, well, Shazam, he, that's your first super chat. He asked, why do you think Tony is such an angry elf? That's just not being polite. Uh, we've got better things we can say to all of our students. Hey, Ryan, how many more super chats we got out there, brother? Like probably 10? Yeah, we're getting down to the bottom of the list here. So uh, all right, cool. don't you worry, buddy. I'll, I'll get you out of here in just two seconds. Cool. Don't worry. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted uh, to get an ETA because it's like, you know. So, as long as I know how much time we got, I can make it through the rest of this. Oh, yeah. What time is it for you, bud? Let's keep going. Okay. No worries. Cool. <laughs> flat earthers. How high is the sun? And why, when you use common flat earth claim of 3,000 miles into a right angle, you find the sun would never go below 13 degrees in the sky at the furthest point, making sunsets impossible? You only got 15 seconds, so make the best of it well that's a really good question i'm gonna have to reconsider my flat earth position i hadn't looked into sunsets all right any thoughts Uh, over there toby yeah the sun the sun appears to be in a parent position if it's being invoked through a dome then it's going to make it even more complicated and there's insane levels of refraction we don't if we don't even know the distance we don't we don't have observations of things at three thousand miles in any other context on the earth so you have no idea what's going to happen with refraction rates at those sorts of yeah there you go Thank you so much, Toby. Eric Burns says, Toby and Alan, if a boat on the horizon goes out of view, why can't we see stars on the horizon, which are further away? Perspective isn't an answer. I'll give you 15 seconds each. Toby first. I made it pretty clear earlier, but it's all about angular resolution. So if the distance of the star is further, then it's going to have even less angular resolution. 
Any thoughts there, Alan? Yeah, so you missed the question. Tony, it's there. Why can we see the star with smaller angular resolution than the boat? If they missed the question, I'm so sorry. But yeah, Alan, did you have any question, uh, any thoughts on that for no, 15 No, seconds? we're good. Continue. All right. Rodney Borden asks, why do Globers always invoke a closed system with a solid barrier? Then tr they try to explain why the Earth never rotates underneath airborne object objects. Um, thoughts there, Daryl? Uh, evoke a closed system. I don't remember ever saying there was a closed system. Stop lying on opposition. That's one of the things. Well, holds the atmosphere in. All right, sir. Question. Any thoughts? Yes, the, that would be the that would be um, gravitational acceleration that um, cleaves the atmosphere um, to Earth, just like it does for Venus, just like it does for the Sun, just like it does okay. for Saturn. Um, uh, the idea that there needs to be some sort of um, container. We're done. Is gibberish. All right, thank you, Dan Hoffman. Tony, um, he's asking um, why he's asking why you scream and lol. Daryl, they're he's accusing you of uh, why, why are you guys gaslighting through the entire debate? Is what Dan is accusing you guys of. Um, I mean, I pulled up the article and showed. I asked them what this fourth order means. They didn't know. That's what a Taylor expansion means. They didn't know. They pulled up the cosmic ray article, didn't relate to, to neutrinos. They didn't know. I didn't Sorry. gaslight. I simply pointed out a fact. Okay. Any thoughts there, Tony, before we move on? Yes, I do. Pointing out that they don't have a um, sound scientific understanding is not gaslighting. Uh, you know, what we should have spent this entire debate <laughs> doing really is talking about, is talking about observations observational evidence we should have been talking about train tracks we should have been talking about shipping lines we should have been talking about navigation but instead on. they want to imagine that they I'm understand sorry, scientific yeah, papers I, I, I you can't let him I, sit here and just I, insult I, us like I, this this I've is gotta, insane well, that's, that's why i i'm well i'm, I'm trying this is to insane. i'm trying to bring it forward they there. both just like literally sat there and insult us and now we don't get a chance to respond that's crazy. I don't, I don't even want a chance, dude. I just want to get through this, dude. If you could yeah, do your answers without gaslighting us or insulting us, that'd be much appreciated, bro. We got shit to do after this. Let's wrap it up. Saying that you don't understand scientific Shh. papers is not okay. an insult. All right, let's let's roll it. Uh, let's roll it out, guys. We only got what? Just a few more to go here. <laughs> a few more to go. What are you guys doing? Let's see if we can really go through them because there's a few kango 44 i have a question for the flats if i'm standing in auckland and my mate is standing in a bluff that's 1600 kilometers apart experience sunrise at the same time why does my other mate in sydney that's only an extra 680 kilometers away have to wait three hours for sunrise any thoughts like, there folks this is a non-exclusive question this would be the same on both models I mean, our model is really easy to explain. We literally just look at the sky and say, that's the model, right? Like, yeah. it's just, a, it's like, you know, if, if you're going to invoke, like we already went over earlier, there's literally a kinematic equivalence in your model because you have to invoke this like crazy pseudo force. You have to call everything pseudo forces. You have to uh, essentially, in, you tough. have to assert the idea that all reference frames are equal. I moved it down to 10 seconds. We are in speed round mode, guys. What's it gets it? Daryl keeps talking ab understanding math and he does not even understand the basic equation of mmx what's the equation of he's asking the same question um you got 10 seconds i think you just i think you reread the same one bro i i think woods might yeah. be asking it again because he's it's okay i i yield his question and he doesn't have to answer that you're good daryl <laughs> it's so... it's the formula for the fringe it's the formula for the fringe offset respect to, uh tony all right 
Uh, let's see. Kango44, question for Witsit. Witsit's not even here, Kango. Is the money for you to spend on Super Jets coming from your audit NASA fund? Oh, you're so silly. Uh, FE Nation says, for the Globes, we can experiment. Come to a Tennessee. We will go eight miles away from the phone towers. GPS and phones don't work. Explain why. Ten seconds. Um, well, that's interesting because I've been into the highlands of New Guinea where there's no radio contact and no cell towers, and I was able to make GPS observations perfectly. That's so tough. I don't know what you're prattling about. Which it gets it. Audit NASA fraud didn't fund didn't even raise enough to pay for the website. I paid for almost all of it out of my own pocket. But by all means, keep slandering me. Uh, he responded to uh, Kenko. Joshua Jamie says there are stars seen in Egypt and Cyprus, which are not seen in northerly regions. Uh, Aristotle, ten seconds, panel. All right, Motmot asks, what's it gets it? Your model of flat Earth requires funny physics. How do you back any of it? Well, Motmot, you better come back here when we have Witsit on and ask that question uh, because he's not on tonight. So uh, we're going to carry on. What's it gets it? Asks it. Uh, asks it. Uh, actually, credentials fallacies is dismissing someone's argument because they do not have the proper credentials. So would you like to admit you were wrong? No, I wouldn't. So. I'm not rejecting their arguments because they lack credentials. I am objecting I am objecting to what they say because they demonstrably don't understand what they've read. Yeah. That's why I'm objecting. And they can't produce any objective evidence supporting their interpretation of these articles. Okay. They're just saying that they understand them and that this is what the articles Let's move say. On to it. Because uh, we're 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 just almost to the end here, so uh, two more questions, and uh, we'll be able to get to our closing thoughts uh, and let everybody uh, know where we can find you. Matt Hightower says, "What is making the Starlink satellites visible in the night sky, and why do they dim and disappear at a higher point sooner than the sun does at the horizon?" Ten seconds. He's asking about the sun converging into the horizon. Again. No. What was he what? asking then? Can you enlighten me? Tony? He's asking about Starlink satellites. What illuminates them and why do they go into eclipse? Ten I don't know. I don't know what time? illuminates. The, are, you, are you asking us or you guys? Mm. He's asking you guys. Why, what, what illuminates the Starlink satellites? Yes. I don't know. Any thoughts, Alan, over there? Or do you want to carry on? Okay. Carry on, sir. Running. One more to go. One more to go. Ronnie Borden says, closed system, Ellie inside a train, a car bus, etc. So they're making a declaration, it's closed system. So I No, we're not. All right. Let us do our closing statements here, guys. Uh, I'm so sorry if we sped through some of you the questions a little quicker than we usually do. There were so many. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you don't feel like we expounded on it enough, uh, hopefully we'll see you next time and we can get some uh, questions in the regular chat. Let's do one minute closings here, guys. I usually start on the other side. Um, so, uh, Tony, first minute on the floor, uh, your closing thoughts. Okay, I want to say I do get heated, I do get shouty, and I do get interrupty, and I apologize. I think that Alan and Toby have been remarkably civil interlocutors and have um, tolerated me quite well. I do not intend the statement that you don't understand the scientific papers to be an insult. It's just a statement of fact. Um, I'm not, I don't think you guys are stupid. I don't think you guys are um, 
uh, just making shit up. You're doing the best you can with very difficult topics. But these are, you're going to need a lot more. I think if you dedicated yourself to getting an education, I think you could un properly understand and represent the contents of these papers. But you don't have the technical skills necessary. That's just a statement of fact. And I don't mean it as an insult because I think you're both quite bright, quite articulate, and very, um, very well-intentioned individuals. Ten seconds. Oh, all right. Wrapped up there. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Uh, we'll actually bounce it this time, and we'll hand it over to Toby. One minute. Yeah, so I, I don't know, just real quick, like, you know, like I said earlier, the problem with the mindset of this whole thing of needing to have credentials is that you're literally handing all of your authority of your thoughts over to the institutions. Uh, and Tony says, I need to get an education. Like that's literally him saying you need to be reeducated, right? That's 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 what reeducation is. Um, but, you know, I dive into these things earnestly from my own point of view. We go through every Thursday night at Ether Cosmology YouTube. We read papers live. on. we're not like, like I said, this whole thing, like if I didn't understand something, I wouldn't be afraid to say that. I'm not like, like when he brought the paper up earlier with a proof of relativity, I told him I'm going to look into it. You know, like I don't, I'm not going to know what's in the paper before I even read it. Uh, but, you know, the ground beneath your feet's not moving. The speed of light is definitely not constant. The Ten twin seconds. paradox is nonsense. The whole thing of a cat being dead and alive, having poison in, in a box in a superposition, <laughs> it's all nonsense, man. The classical mechanics makes everything so much more simple. The ground beneath your feet is flat and stationary. Thank you so much, Toby. And uh, thank you, Tony and Toby, for being here. And I'm going to hand it over to Daryl. One minute on the floor. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. And be on the same side as, as PhD Tony. Uh, I'm a fan and I want to be a PhD, so I, I really appreciate it. And I, and, I, and I enjoyed it and thought it was fun. Uh, I think you guys are, are, are cool guys as well. So it was, it was nice talking to you. Uh, so the audience, I'll just say, if you ever see one of these flat earthers, or some of them are too dishonest to even admit that anymore, and they say they're globe deniers or whether they're concave or whatever. And then if any of them are saying that science or math or a scientific paper or anything like that supports their position, look a little deeper and you'll find that either they're lying to themselves or they're lying to you. It's pretty simple. And it, and it always, when I see people saying, oh, they're killing them and all they're doing is just glossing over math that they clearly don't understand, it's it's so easy to, to, to debunk if you just go below the surface level word search type of arguments that they make and actually learn science and math and actually look into it. So thank you all. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daryl. And uh, Ellen, last word to you. One minute on the floor. Yeah. Shout out to the opponents, man. That was that was a really good, uh, you know, let's get out of here, man. Let's wrap this shit up. All right, buddy. That's why I was handing it over to you. Let's wrap this up as, oh, as he drops right out. What a class A act. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming out to Modern Day Debate. Thank you uh, to Toby, to Anthony, and also to Daryl. And, uh, Oh my goodness, now that you dropped out, I just forgot your name, Alan. Uh, I could never forget that name, honestly. That's 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 just a joke. Um, so thanks again. And uh, I'm going to close it out once again uh, with some original music that I just recorded today, because why not? Y you all asked who was screaming. You want to hear who's screaming? It is me now. So I'm going to let our speakers go, and you all just uh, sook and suffer uh, to my first demo. Cheers, everybody.